The Boundless Pursuit Podcast is proudly sponsored by Built Wild DNA. Fuel your day on the water in a constructive and healthy way. Energy and fitness supplements designed with the outdoorsman in mind. Get your physicality in line with your mentality and maximize your time on the water. Use promo code BOUNDLESSPURSUIT for 10% off of your next order at BuiltWildDNA.com. Welcome to Boundless Pursuit, a weekly podcast providing motivation, entertainment, and education to anglers and outdoorsmen. I hope that the stories you'll find here will encourage you to chase your passion more fervently, to open your mind to new opportunities and perspectives. Your engagement and feedback is critical to the growth of this show, and I would love to hear your suggestions on topics or potential guests. You can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com or at my website, www.boundless-pursuit.com. That's where you'll find all related articles, media, and merchandise. Please remember, the show will gain traction from your support. Be sure to like, comment, and share this podcast to your friends and connections. I'm your host, David Graham. Now let's get on to today's episode. You know, I love that this podcast has afforded me the opportunity to connect with a lot of really awesome anglers. But most of the guests that I've had so far are people that I've either known or been familiar with for a long time. And today's guest is a very interesting and diehard hunter, fisherman, and just outdoorsman with some really unique experiences in traveling here in the U.S. and abroad. His name is Chris Cook, and this is a guy who articulates and expresses a passion for the outdoors in a very pure and insightful way. From big game hunts in Africa, treks through the jungles of Thailand, to local fishing and hunting in his home state of Texas, Chris weaves a level of humility and minimalism into every experience he has. And during this conversation, we talk about growing up with nothing, enjoying the simple things, making sacrifices so that unique experiences are a reality, walk in the African bush with no shoes on, and literally standing in the footprints of elephants, and gaining the favor of locals wherever you go by staying humble and grounded, and just getting out of your own way. We talk about catching the fierce African tigerfish, rare catfish species in Thailand, and enjoying a good homestyle meal in local diners of rural Texas. Chris Cook is definitely one of the most interesting guys that I've had the pleasure of talking to so far. And this is a guy that's got some very interesting and diverse experiences under his belt. And I think you're really going to enjoy this guy's perspectives and insights on hunting, fishing, and the outdoors in general. This is Chris Cook. All right, man. Well, now we're rolling. Now we're now we're live. We, uh, we, we, we worked out any potential kinks, but uh, Chris... It's awesome to get you on here. Um, like I was saying earlier, I somebody suggested you to me. So shout out to whoever you were. I feel bad I can't like name drop the person because uh it's like it's one of those things I want to happen more with this podcast. I want people like suggesting. It's hard for me to like do my own recruiting because it's like sometimes the most interesting people are the ones that come from like left field, you know what I mean? They're like maybe people who I wouldn't have otherwise found but uh you know somebody had mentioned you to me i took one click i see the gnarly beard the long <laughs> hair it photos a tiger fish the crazy big game hunting i'm like oh okay you know i'm sold i, I gotta know more 
But um, but man, I, I I saw that, and uh, and then I saw that you 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 do some writing on the website, uh, cafes and campfires. I'm like, okay, you know, like here's a guy who does all these things and writes about it. Um, but I guess just I don't know, dude. Like if we're gonna start anywhere, because your experience is like so all over the place with the hunting, with the fishing, with the travel. You know, you you folks that are that nomadic are always so hard for me to know, like, wh- where's my landing spot with this guy? Like, where the hell do I start? But um, I guess let me know a little bit about the blog, because I thought you came at it from a unique angle where it's like half of it is describing different eateries. Half of it is describing just travel in general. And then there's like a fishing and a hunting portion. Like, what was the I don't know, man, like what was what was the motivation behind starting that in the first place? The motivation was I got family scattered all over the world and I would, you know, you got kids growing up and all the grandparents want to know what are the kids doing and, you know, what did we do this weekend? And I would text them or email them different things. And then surely I would get a a text from a grandma that goes, well, how come I didn't get the picture? But yeah, (laughs) well, whoever got the picture and I was like, all right, I'm going to solve this problem right now. I'm going to put all this in one spot and then I'll just send them the link. And and if you don't see it, that's on you, right? That's how it started. It wasn't even... I guess a blog, but it was more or less just telling grandma what we did this weekend. We went fishing here, you know, we, we ate at this cafe and it just started evolving. And then I, I, I haven't written on it as much as I should lately, but I, I, I kind of ended up with like these two groups of people. Like I would get a lot of comments about the food portion and I, I even had a lady goes, look, I don't hunt. I don't even like hunting, but I like your blog. Cause I can over here and go well if chris has been to this cafe then i know this is a good cafe so yeah. like, i don't agree to hunt part i just go through trying to find if, if he was in michigan and i'm in michigan i want to see what he ate then i have the, the guys that are like i don't care about that what'd you kill or what'd you catch and it was all an accident honestly it was just a and i i just write like i talk i guess i just I'm, i don't know i'm not you know what i mean i just start i just start writing like if i was going to tell you a story that's exactly how i write it i don't try to be a, an author or or go to some weird angle or have, you know, just, I just, just write what I, the way I talk and it seems to work. People like it. It's probably because it's simple, right? It's not real hard to figure out. You you got a redneck who's 12th grade education, right? And it's not hard to follow, is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I love people who actually write about what they're passionate about. And, uh, and it's like in like an authentic way. I don't know, man. It's like, and I do a lot of it myself, but it's like, it, it's one of those things like, especially in this day and age, People want to be like entertained more than educated, or they want like immediate entertainment. Right. No, I, you're I, right. You're right. If you don't entertain me in a flash of a second, I'm gonna swipe. I'm gonna swipe you out of there. Or they only want to see some funny video. Um, but like sitting and doing a real good read, I I always like it. Especially, I like that you mentioned you 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 write the way that you talk. I like that because then I can like know what you're actually about. I don't feel like you're trying to sell me a product. Um, you know, it's it's like you're typing in conversational tone. Uh, so it's 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 pretty funny. It's like I can like envision the person talking, but like I don't know, like it just it threw me for a curveball when I was reading through your blogs where it was like fishing and then the cafe thing. So like what is like the where does that come from? Like, like, like writing about an, it's like when I, a lot of people who blog about like an eating experience, it's like some kind of like fine cuisine from an exotic location. And like a lot of yours is like diners and dives type of things. Like where did that come I always, from? I, I tell people 
my grandparents are gone. I can't, I can't eat my grandma's cooking anymore. I'm going to eat someone's grandma's cooking. Look, it, it just feels like growing up. Yeah. It feels like home. I want hot coffee. I, I want, I want to lay, look, I don't need my waitress to come up and be the nicest person. I need my, I want just bring me good food and let's be normal people. Okay. Yeah. And then in cafe, that's what you're going to find. You go to these chain places, they have a set way of, these are our rules. This is what we do. Hey, I've been, I've, I was in a, in a cafe a couple of years ago. There was a buffet. There was a soccer team come in and they went the wrong way down the buffet. I just got in line with them because I'm not going to fight with these little kids. And the yeah. old lady waitress comes out and goes, Hey, what the hell y'all doing? Y'all turn around and go the other way. That's, I, I love that lady the second she said that because that's yeah. grandma. <laughs> yeah. And I want to eat in grandma's house. Who doesn't yeah. love to eat at grandma's house? So if this is the most off, off the beaten path, backwoods, when I walk in, if someone, it's weird, but if someone's in the corner smoking a cigarette, the food's going to be good. Yeah. Oh, I, think I if, promise you that's just the way it is. <laughs> if somebody's, if like the hospitality feels like you're in somebody's home, like at least, you know, you can trust what's going on, like behind those metal doors. Like <laughs> you, exactly. you, can tr- you can trust like, they're running a tight ship back there as far as like sanitary yeah. condition, putting some effort into the meals, you know, so I, I can. For, for us, hunting, fishing, that's an untapped resource there. Where do you think all these country boys go? Who who knows where the deer are at? Who knows where the fish are biting? Yeah. <laughs> those local guys. Where are those local guys? They're sitting around a table. They're all drinking coffee in the morning. You come there in the morning, you buy a guy a cup of coffee, and before you know it, you start talking, and all of a sudden, well, you know, they – they caught 25 channel cat down at the creek last week. Well, guess where I'm going? I wouldn't have known that otherwise. Right. Those people are friendly. They're local. They they know what's going on in the area that I'm in. You know, I, I hunt in Montana a lot. I go up to Montana. I just stop at a cafe and I, I just start, you know, I got to eat anyway. And you start talking and you'd be surprised what guys, if you call a guy up and he doesn't, he can't see you. People judge people. I don't care whether you think you do or you don't. When you're talking to someone face to face, you're going to be a lot more apt to allow that person something you have than a yeah. guy on a phone. So if I if I go over and buy a farmer a cup of coffee and say, "Hey man, you know I'm looking for mule deer and I got mule deer hunted, but you know what I do have is there's a bunch of geese laying in the corner of my field. You're more than welcome to. Them. I yeah. just paid one dollar for a goose hunt, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you wouldn't have known that otherwise, and you wouldn't have got that at at the the local fancy restaurant either, because those kind of people don't hang out there. They're yeah. in those those cafes they're in that back corner drinking hot coffee you know that's the kind of guy well that's the kind of guy i am but that's the kind of people i want to be around too yeah well that's like real authentic networking you can't get that behind a computer screen or on an instagram message either but i totally agree with you it's funny you mentioned like i've read some of the ways that you describe these things and the experiences and a lot of it seems like it like i know when i have come into these type of eateries or these kind of cafes it's usually coming on the tail end of a really exhausting like day on the water i smell like crap i'm sweaty i got fish blood on me and part of it is like ooh, i don't know if i really want to walk into like this nice fancy place looking like this but i know these folks ain't gonna judge me and i'm gonna get my food a little bit quicker and i'm just hungry so i don't really care where i eat and like that's sort of like it's funny how a lot of times discovering those like ma and pa style cafes is like what opens the door is like a hard day on the water or a hard day in a stand or a hard day outdoors there's something so inviting about going to that kind of place that like on the tail end of 
I don't know, man, like a hard day, even working. Doesn't even have to be outdoors, but it's like you really like work up the appetite. And then part of you is like, ugh, ugh, you know, these folks aren't going to judge me as much. Like they're more honest. They're more willing. Like they've probably seen this before. And then it's like, that's how you discover those places that you like fall in love with Absolutely. going back every time. But then it's almost like when you go back the next time and you're not sweaty and you haven't been working and it's just like you're fresh. It's like the experience isn't quite the same. I don't know if you would like notice that no. too. The, the kind of people in those places and the people working in those places can relate to you smelling like bait because that's where yeah. they want to be. <laughs> right. That's what they, as soon as they get off, they're going to do the same thing you just did. And they were like, you know, Hey, did you catch any fish? They might want a little information from you, but yeah. that's the kind of people. And your, and your odor is like, <laughs> yeah. your odor is a conversation starter instead of a conversation right. ender. It's kind of funny how that works. Oh shit. Get out of here. You know exactly what you smell like at the end of a gator guard trip. That's a different <laughs> smell. The only other smell close is musky. If you catch uh, a big musky and you walk around with a big musky, they smell just like a gator guard. Well, I hope I find that one out soon. I'm like, I want to squeeze that trip in. A lot of people who know me and know like my fishing endeavors, like muskies, like it, it's one that's eluded me. I've tried for them a few times. I just haven't been able to seal the deal. I was like, I may try to squeeze that one in this year, but I can't speak to the musky. But I, I can definitely speak to the alligator guard thing. It's like you smell and you got the unavoidable like mud on you. Like yeah. It, yeah, you are not Probably going blood. after them. Yeah, you're going to get mud and blood and carp juice and guard juice on you. It's like shit. I can't just go eat it. Any old, you know. I I gotta go somewhere where I won't be. I me, I'm like self conscious. Like I'm like, oh, I better go somewhere where they ain't gonna judge me. But it's it's just I don't know. I read that. I was like, that's a unique spin on things. I like that. But it's also like. I don't know, man. I'm I'm very much I think I probably speak your same language here where it's like when you're out there, like you there's like a culture of honest, hardworking people that run those kind of places and like you feel like indebted to like support them. I get the same way, like I get the same way with like old school tackle sh like tackle shops. They're dying yeah. off. They're going away. Like like here where I live in Southwest Florida, like Bass Pro Shops is here. You drop that in, it's like a nuclear bomb goes off and kills the tackle store. So it's like you, I don't know, man. It's like I I get this like warm spot in my heart when I'm like driving to the beach or I'm driving to the water. If I see like an old, one of them real old like salt of the earth, stanky tackle shops where everything's overpriced and the guy behind the counter's pissed off, like. I always want to go in there and give those guys my money. Like, <laughs> but they're the same way. People, you know? They get, they get so much Intel though. If you can get in good with those guys, if you give them your business a few times, they'll start dropping the knowledge on you quick. But, um, it's kind of the same way, but man, I was reading your, um, I, I was reading through your blog too, and your page and, and some of the other stuff that I know about you. And it, and it sounds like your background in the outdoors is, is, it's clear that it's like sort of running the family for generations, yeah. if if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, you know, some people have that and some people don't. But I'm just kind of curious, like your upbringing. I don't know, man, like in the outdoors, like like at what point did you start getting pushed? You know, not to, not to go like tell me your whole life story, but I, I'm always interested in like sort of, you know, because not everybody wants to do it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like some people you try to get them in the outdoors and it just doesn't work for them. But, uh, you know, how did, how I, did you, I don't know anything different. And I, I mean, I, people look at me like, what do you mean? When I was growing up, we never, you didn't, 
we we they the adults were skinning deer, the adults were cleaning fish, the adults are you know cleaning the the ducks or whatever it was. Never once did did my grandpa or uncle dad or anyone set me down and say this is how you skin a deer. It was just that we was we were born into it. It was around us our entire life. You just you kind of learned it like through osmosis. Like you were it just it was just went into you. Like we we never were taught cooking and cleaning and all it, because it was everyday life. It was what they did. It was what my grandparents did. There, I mean, generations and generations. So my great third great, I think, grandpa was actually fought in the in in for the Republic of Texas. So I got the little certificate that says I'm a son of the Republic of Texas. So we've been here before Texas was here. So oh, wow. that's all we ever did. They lived, they lived that way. And and we're poor growing up. So we lived that way. We didn't know we were poor. As I started, yeah. it's kind of <laughs> ironic. You get a few dollars and realize that you were poor before, right? Yeah. But I mean, I wouldn't trade a minute of it. Don't get me wrong. I grew up in a, in a trailer with six people. I mean, literally a trailer, like. Our, our house could get a flat trailer. But at the time I was like, this is the worst. This is horrible. Cause I don't have everything I know other kids have. That was the best, that, that was the best thing that could have happened to me because now when I do have something, I can look back and appreciate way more what I do have because I know where I come from. And I tell people all the time, your problem is you've never had nothing. And they look at me cross-eyed and I'm like, look, if you, at some point in your life, if you'd have been, in the dirt face down like this is it i can either lay right here and die or i can roll over look at the sun and freaking get up and do something about it that's <laughs> going to change everything from that point forward i'll promise you and, and not that it's right or wrong people don't have a choice sometimes in the way they grew up I'm, i was very lucky not no i didn't know that till i was an adult that the way i grew up was made me the way i am now so I appreciate everything way more. Look, I know I get to do a lot of stuff, but I work I work a 40-hour week just like everybody else. Yeah. I live way under my means to get to go do what I do because I'm not scared to go back to nothing. I already survived nothing once. Throw me back down there again, I'll come crawling out another time. I've yeah. already been there. Yeah. So for me, <laughs> driving a 20-year-old vehicle, so what? It starts and runs. I flip the light switch and the power come on. Now let's go fishing. Right, yeah. And, and I, I don't... If you're impressed with my truck, fine. If you ain't, fine. I don't care. I'm not doing this for you. I'm not doing this for the world. So I've already been down there, dude. I ain't scared to go back again. So if I spend my last dollar to go to on a plane ticket to wherever, that's a decision I made. But I also understand the consequences because I've been there. Yeah. That's kind of the way my, my mentality is for everything I do. Just Now, like, what, what, uh, what, like, region of Texas are you growing up in? Because it's like you made such a enormous leap well i don't know it's like you've done some crazy stuff so it's like i always like i gotta figure out how you got there but it's like what part of texas are you in and you know you say you you were brought up in fishing and hunting but it's like well like what kind of fishing like what kind of hunting like what was the i mean it's it's all the local things like we once a year my grandparents would take us to colorado to to trout fish but At the end of the summer, when we went, we would have picked up beer cans on the side of the highway for three months of our summer. And the last week of our summer before school, we would take a trip to Colorado. But if we didn't pick up enough cans for gas money, then we didn't get to go to Colorado. So that to us was that was a huge vacation because, like I said, I grew up in a trailer park, north central Texas, Young County. So 
you go to West Texas, West from there, you're, it's pretty remote. You know, you're very, very small towns. Part of kind of the wild, crazy stuff, we grew up pretty feral. Like, it was a trailer. Like, you're not sitting around in the house all day in a trailer with six people, and half the time we didn't even have electricity. So we're outside. So we're chasing, we're catching, we're whatever you can find to do outside. And I had two brothers, so that helps. You always have that friend. You might fight him, but he's your friend, right? Yeah, you go yeah. down to the crawdad hole, you get some bacon and a string or whatever it is. It was <laughs> that was entertainment because it was it was kind of by default. Like we didn't have many toys, we didn't have many things, many. So you had to figure out what you were gonna do in in nature. Like, and it's all there if you figure it out. And I figured it all out, not knowing at the time how much skill and life lessons that you're learning until you get older. And you, and you, 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 like my mate, I hunt with a guy that lives in Dallas now. Great dude, but he's just not a real experienced guy. But I'll say yeah. something and he'll look at me and go, How do you even know that? And I'm like, Well, when I was 12, you know, we were in a pasture, we did such and such. And he's like, like No one could know that without having grown up that way. Like, there's just things. And like, like I said, at the time, I didn't realize that. At the time, I was like, We're broke. We're the poorest family in town. Our house had a flat. My shoes don't match. You know, that kind of stuff. It was horrible. But now I'm like, that's exactly what I needed to be what I am right now. Now, whether Mm -hmm. you like what I am right now, doesn't matter. I do. And that, and I know that that's what taught me to be this. So yeah, it was awesome. No, that's, I love that. And so it's like, I think about people who've like hunted and fished, you know, I was, I, you could say your whole life. Um, and I made like this funny clip even recently, like that I, that I posted where I was like in it, I think it ruffled some feathers where I was talking about, you know, I don't like when people say that they've been fishing since they were two years old. Like you can't, you can't fish right. when you're two years old. Well, I understand though. It's like people are brought up in that, like it's around mm-hmm. them. It's part of like the culture of their family. It's part of just what, like what they live in. And I was the same way. I mean, my my I mean, we fished when we were tiny little kids with my dad and my granddad. But it wasn't until later that it like clicked as something that I like was like actively engaged in. And like I loved it. Like I was like, this is for me. It wasn't something I was doing. It was like it wasn't something I was, you know, I was just there for. It was something like this is what I want to like commit. This is like my thing. At what point did like you know, again, I know you grew up because that's just what you did. You said, yeah, that's just what we did. But at what point did you say, well, this is like, you know, this is this is for me because your passion grew into these wild trips, like, you know, to exotic places. And I'm just wondering how it evolved into that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, for how did me, some of those things even get on the radar or something you'd want to do? Because a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people plateau and they 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 get to white-tailed deer, they get to turkey hunting, they get to duck hunting, they get to bass fishing and catfishing, and this is you know, that's it. Like that, you know, that it plateaus and it just stays put. But like yours, it's not. I don't. I don't want to. It sounds bad to say. I don't want to say it's not normal, but it's like it's a different caliber. Like the passion is blatant. You're writing about it. You're you're photographing it. You're you know, I mean, you're doing these crazy things most people would not do. So I'm like wondering how it, when did that start to really like take over? When I started not being able to do it because adult life comes into play. When you're a little kid and you have that 12 hours of daylight and you're free to roam, 
you, you, you don't realize how much you're loving and how and, and everything you're doing. And when you start getting that about 16, 15, 16, 17, now you got to work a little bit for your gas money. Well, your buddy calls and says, hey, Sam Bastard running at the river and I've got to go, you know, work for four hours. That's when you, when you start missing it. That, that's when I realized, like, that's not just something I do. That's part of me. Like, because yeah. I felt like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. I felt like Fisher there, I'm supposed to be there, right? Like as a little kid, that's your that's your mentality. But when it, when it starts getting taken away, I think is when the passion really, like really had to realize like, wait a minute, this is, life isn't, isn't just fishing and chasing frogs. I, I always thought it was and hoped it was. But now that I have to have, I got responsibilities. It made what I did more meaningful. And then I think that's when it really like clicked, like, hey, not everyone gets to do this and you're not going to get to do this forever. When you start yeah. realizing those things, that's when I really started. Like every opportunity I get, I'm taking. I tell I, there was a, one of our friends graduated, you know, earlier, and I said, "Just do it. Just go do it. What? Anything you want, because you're always going to wonder the result. At least if you fail, you fail. It's mm-hmm. over. But you're always, always going to wonder what the result would be of everything if you don't go do it. Don't be afraid to fail. I, I'm more afraid to not go do something. I'm more afraid that I'm going to pass something up." Yeah. You know whatever crazy thing it is, like well, we jump in a little little hunt. The 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 Cape Buffalo with an air gun, that's stupid. But it can be done. And I said, All right, I'm going to do it. Right? Like I because had I not said had I not agreed to that, three years from now I'd be going, Man, I wonder if I could have actually done that. And I, that's the last thing I want to do is wonder. Yeah. I want to know the result. Failure's fine, dude. I fail all the time. We all do. Yeah, you, to me, this way I think of it. Humans are the only being born on this planet with the knowledge of their own death. Nothing mm-hmm. else realizes it's going to die when it's born except you. And right. everyone knows that. Why are you not taking full advantage of everything? Because you have the knowledge to know what's going to happen in the end. Nothing else does. Sure, they don't want to die, but they don't understand the concept. The deer's not born going, well, I got three years and I'm dead. That's not the way the the nature works. We have that. We get that. We were given that. Hey, you got about 65 to 85, depending on how you live. Everyone knows that. And everyone still just walks around like zombies wasting time. And it can never be taken. I think I wrote an article about this, in fact, about time. You you, you can't buy more of it. You you don't know when it's going to end. Like having that knowledge to me should be on the forefront of every, of every decision mm-hmm. in my mind. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've done dangerous crap. I could die. Well, guess what? I'm going to die at the end anyway. So <laughs> let's go for it. I'm not wondering what's going to happen. Right. Yep. Well, I'm not it, stupid. I don't go do reckless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some people do. And they, they, for whatever reason they need that. I, I get, I don't know, man. It's I geek out over like, what makes people tick? I don't know why. It's just something that kind of fascinates me. But it's like I am like convinced that some people are like born into certain interests. People are like, oh no, you you learn it over time, or there's some of that is true. But I'm convinced that like people have inherent interests that is like I I don't know if it like goes back to <laughs> origins of mankind. But you think about when you look, like, you could walk into. I like to use this analogy. You could walk into a daycare right now that's got 20 kids. There'll be one kid in the corner with blocks, and he's just engaged in the process of building. There'll be one kid that's just running fast, just seeing how fast he can run. 
there'll be one kid that's, you know, I don't know, gathering the others and using some, you know, inherent ability to influence others, whether he's influencing them to do bad things or gathering them up to say, hey, let's go play this game. You know, there's it's like there's there's certain characteristics that it seems like kids are born into having. And I know like in within my family structure, I've got one relative who and this is my understanding is he's very like bizarrely in tune with mechanics and engineering and building and like to to like a leaps and bounds beyond the normal person. It's just things click when it comes to mechanisms, taking something apart, putting it back together. And I was told that when he was a child, you know, none of his brothers are this way. It's my my mom's brother. His parents weren't that way. It was just him. Like when the other kids were outside playing sports or the other kids were outside doing this, he was always inside taking electronics apart, unscrewing them, putting them back together. And it's just like, well, nobody taught him that. But it's like, I think certain humans were like programmed for certain things. And I feel like for the outdoorsmen, I don't know, man. It's like there's this calling that certain men have, you know, some women too, but it's like some men are called to like combat. Some men are called to building and like providing in other ways. And some men are like really, really called to the outdoors for whatever reason. It's like this, it's this weird thing where like you can have everything like me. And I always tell my wife this, like if we won the lottery tomorrow and I want Ten trillion dollars. People are like, oh yeah, right. You're just saying I uh, no, I know how I am. If I had all the resources monetarily to do whatever I wanted, I would go to parts of the earth where I have nothing. Because I feel like in my spirit, I need to like, I need to like, you know, skim that lifestyle. It's like I need to dip into, I don't know, man. It's like that ar- ar- archaic or ancient way of living not necessarily to do it forever but it's like i need to taste that i need to smell that i need to know what it's like to live with nothing it's a really weird thing i don't mean on the streets i mean like in a jungle somewhere in a hut somewhere like i want to see people that have nothing it's it's this strange anomaly i'm like why do i feel that way why do like if i had all the resources to buy all the biggest stuff would i use that money to go to places that don't have any of that and it says, but anyway, and it's so it, it, that's why I've been very interested in what you do and reading your blog. I feel like there's some parallel interests there, but you've lived it like you've done it. At what point did you decide to start? I don't know, man, like leaving and, and going to these places where I don't know, man, it's like you don't know what you're getting into. What was your first international trip anyway? Probably the uh, I guess the, like a major like I I needed to plan a little more for it was uh, Thailand, mm. and I know there's a lot of opinions about the way they fish, all these different things. But hey, I never been to Thailand, and and it's cheap. So, and then we do this a lot. I say we. My wife goes with me most times. She fishes. She's fished in about twelve or thirteen countries. She she fishes a lot. But and rather than having like this destination like we have to go to this country for this thing i more match my the, my money to my trip I yeah. go backwards <laughs> so look there's there's what like thirty five thousand some odd species of mammals on the planet no mm. fish on the planet five thousand species of mammals on the planet i can't catch and kill all of this so i'm not going to sit at home wasting time not that i don't have this dream animal or dream fish but 
why take three years for the one animal when there's there's so much more to enjoy on a trip? If you're going to a trip for just this animal or just this fish, you're going for all the wrong reasons. It's that's one percent of your trip. That's a tiny little like if I pull the trigger on the gun, you know how long that takes? That's that's a tiny fraction of why we're there. So that's yeah. not the goal to me. My my goal is I want to see everything I can everywhere. And if I have just for an instance, if I have five thousand dollars then I start looking for something that interests me that costs $5,000. Where's a country I can go to get the most out of that country and do something I've never done. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking at it as oh, I don't want to go there. I look at it as what, what is available for this amount of money. Now there's yeah. like next year we're going, uh, we're, we're going to Zambia. All right. That's a trip that I have to plan for. And that's on, that's a scheduled thing and we'll save for it. And that's where we'll go. But there's times I just start looking at flights. Where's the cheapest flights to right now? Actually, not far from you. You might see me for too long. I, I can get to, I can get to, uh, I think there's a flight to West Palm for $125. Oh, yeah. Like, go there, right? I've been there. It's, it's awesome. But I'm not going to sit here saying, man, if I just had $500, I could fly to Montana. Well, just take my $150 and take me to Florida and let's go fishing. You're yeah. not going to regret it. You are not going to regret it. I'll promise you. Yes, there are destinations I would I'd rather go to, but I'm not going to sit around wasting time to to try to get to that. Look, if you have your dream, everyone should save for that. I'm talking about the you know a once a year trip, something like that's different. I'm talking about like we do a lot of weekend stuff. I'll go to Cabo for three days. It's right here. Yeah, I can be, I can be in Cabo in two hours. It's cheap. You go down there, catch you a rooster fish. You had a good weekend. It's a little more expensive than a than a weekend at home. But hotel, food, and gas, you're going to have to have that regardless of where you go. You have to eat anywhere on the planet. So figuring food into the cost of me is like, eh, it's not like you're sitting at home and not eating. Like, right. That's part of living. That's not part of your vacation. So that, the, that's the way we did it. That's the, that's the way, like, Thailand was a, hey, that's affordable. Like, there's some wild fishing. We did a lot of wild fishing. But, you know, there's the lakes. There's these 20 acres. Like there's there's little ponds, whatever. That doesn't matter. The point is, I'll go catch a fish. May not be the the way I wanted it at the time, but I also seen a guy riding a bicycle up to the lake, catch a cobra, and stick it in a basket and drive off. Would <laughs> yeah. I've seen that sitting at home saving money to go. No, that, but that's yeah. my point. Like, a million things going on. Right? It's not just that the, the fishing and the hunting. That's what I love. That's what takes me to most places. But if you don't enjoy everything around it, you're you're missing. You're not getting your money worth. Yeah, you're, you're I think it's. Uh, I think a lot of that too. I, and I I can't speak from experience because, like I told you, I've not yet been out of the country. But I have this like deep desire to like, go to places that are just different than where I'm at because I like I have this need internally to reset all the time. You know, because like when you're like like me, I'm I'm so like called to be outdoors to be somewhere wild and it's like weird it's like i have this desire to like it's almost like this need to simulate <laughs> like hunting and gathering but without the actual threat of what can happen if you're if like your life depends on that but it's like you, you got to get close to it so i work right now in like basically in a factory setting as as a manager of people in you know in a, like an industrial setting it's boxes it's conveyors it's structured it's like daily schedules everything's uniform so you know it's it's easier for somebody like me and my character type to you know 
it, it weighs on me a lot. Now, you know, I, I like what I do. I love the people I work with, and I like the, the financial benefit that I get out of that and how it benefits my family. But it's also like it, if I don't get thrust out of there, it can, it like, it can mess me up. It really oh, it can. Will mess you up. And I think it, that's in every person. I don't care. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in your DNA. There's hundreds of thousands of years of history that says so. We just recently, by recently, in, in time, 100 years is not long, just decided let's just all stay inside and build things. That's not the way we're, that we were made. It's right. in there somewhere. And even the mo- my neighbor across the road that doesn't even mow his own yard, that's fine. That's his deal. It's in him somewhere. But, yeah. but it hasn't been brought out because he hasn't been in a situation to where it could be. It, it, I, I really do feel like in all kinds of people. I mean, like I said, I've been all around all different kinds of people. It, it can Something can trigger this. Yeah. Whether it could be as simple as a bobber going under, but a guy sitting on a dock and a bobber goes under and he's like, whoa, man, I love fishing now. You know, it, it may take a, a, a life altering thing, but I, I truly feel like it's in everyone's DNA in there somewhere. Yeah. To, to do this, it, people well, just suppress it or their lifestyle doesn't allow it to come out. I don't oh, think a sure. lot of people consciously say, oh, I, I'm not, you know, that's not in me. It is. Generations, yeah. thousands of generations will will tell you that it's in you, whether you like it or not. Oh, a thousand it's percent. Well, it's like and like what I alluded to earlier, like coming like like if I come home from work and I get frustrated about things, I'll a lot of times sit back and I'll like kind of like tally up like what really happened. Like how hard was my day? And then I'm like, man, I've got it so good. Like we have it so good in America. So then it's like I know that part of my like need to get outdoors or to have less or to, like I said, simulate like the ability to gather and provide for a family. Like to me, it's like almost like fishing a little bit speaks to that. But some of it too is like going to this place that have nothing. It's like, I, I want something that's going to give me a good like perception of what the world is really like. Then I also wonder, and I wonder like your opinion on this. This is like one of my main questions I had for you because it's like something I've noticed is Americans, it seems like, just aren't doing these trips you look at like international fishing specifically it's it is a scene dominated by like europeans and other people you just don't see americans leaving america and i'm like like i'm interested your input on that like why do you think people aren't wanting to to i think people say they want to but i mean you just don't i feel like you just don't see it and I, I guess I exist more in the fishing not, world because Europe is tiny compared to America, but they have taken over the international fishing scene. It's very weird to me. And I'm like, what? Why? Well, they absolutely have it. Well, part to me, I fished with, you know, who Corda is right. Big carp tackle company. They got the, uh-huh. uh, what is it called? Monster carp show. I yep. fished with those guys when they filmed monster carp here. So fish was down there a couple of days, fish, talked to them and all that. These guys, Europeans especially, in my opinion, and and Asians that that I've fished with, they're hunters that don't have a way to hunt. They turn Mm. fishing. It's not. I'm not saying that they they wouldn't love fishing anyway. What I'm saying is a lot of these guys' approach to fishing is the same kind of mentality and approach that I have to hunting, or most hunters I know. But they don't have that option, especially in Asia. When I see like a guy fish with there, he's he's big snakehead guy. You know, that's hunting. 
You're hunting yeah. those snakeheads. When those snakeheads are on fry, that's hunting. And I can see it. He, he clicks. And, and it's not, he, he doesn't get to express that. It, and like I said, it's in there. I feel like it's in you. I feel like it's in everyone. And then the way that he gets that, that predator uh, instinct out is through fishing because he, he doesn't have an option yeah. to go chase an animal. And I feel like there's some hunting in Europe, depending on the country. But a lot of those guys are the same way. I see the way some of them operate. And I'm like, dude, that's a hunter with a fishing pole. That's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. It, it's, it, it, you're right about the Americans, though. There's most are, it's a lot. Of, I, if I see Americans somewhere else, it's usually a tourist spot. And I try to get out of there as fast as possible. But right. in the middle of the jungle in Asia, no. The, there's no. You're not going to find an American. There's this weird fear of like, different places and different ideas in this country that's very strange maybe it, it you know what it may exist in other places but i just it seems so intense here like if i talk to somebody that's like not a fisherman just like the average person on the street about um you know all or like hey I, like this is an example this, this is a simple example but it's like when when i moved from arkansas this is a place that i've lived all over the freaking country arkansas most recently before florida when i told the people in arkansas I'm moving to Florida. Their first response every time, aren't you worried about hurricanes? Yep. Or whenever I was first moving to Oklahoma, aren't you worried about tornadoes? Or when I'm first moving to South Texas, I was working in the oil fields. Aren't you worried about, you know, rattlesnakes, MS-13? Everybody has these fears of like different places and going somewhere new. I'm like, what caused that? Is it the media? Like everything, this just everything's just fear coming in. There seems it's like these comfort. There, well, yeah, it's definitely that for Americans. I'm telling you now, it's it's comfort. There's where we. I'm gonna say we, even though I'm not that way. I'm American, so I'm gonna say we. We are yeah. so scared to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. like, it, it makes no sense. It, we were in Thailand at a temple. Right. Doing tourist things. There's tourist people there. There's an American lady there. And she's she's complaining that it's hot. I'm like, lady, do you not have Google? Like you came to a tropical country like you're <laughs> in a freaking rain. hot. What did you think was going to happen? But we're so afraid to be uncomfortable. Like, aren't you scared of hurricanes? People in Florida, aren't you scared of, you know, whatever it is, a tornado or a what? everywhere is as dangerous as you make it. I've been yeah. more scared. Johannesburg, South Africa is not, there's a lot of unsafe places. I've I've been in just as much danger in Detroit, Michigan at a baseball game. You can make anywhere as safe or as, as dangerous as you want it to be. I walk down the streets of Bangkok at 3 a.m. and not a care in the world. I wouldn't do that here where I live right now. It, yeah. it's, it's your it's your perception of because you're comfortable here, you don't feel like it's as dangerous. If you're outside of here looking in, you're like, oh, man, look, they, they, there's another drive by, you know, two blocks away. Aren't you worried? Oh, no, it happens all the time. Well, hurricanes happen all the time in Florida. That's why you don't care. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere in the world has their thing. It's new yes. to you. It's a new danger that you're not comfortable with. You're not familiar with. And that's what I think. It holds people up because they they don't want to be uncomfortable. Like I said earlier, if you've never had nothing, right? Like that's that's a lot of people's problem. We can't. I can't do without Starbucks. I can't do without this. I can't do without that. Mm -hmm. it, then then you can't go. If you physically or mentally can't get past that little hurdle, then no, you're going to have to stay here. Sorry. Like in Zambia, they didn't they didn't have electricity. You know how hard it is 
look, I do it all the time, but I'm saying, you know how hard it is when it's 105 degrees to lay in a grass hut underneath a mosquito net with no electricity? And you know, when the sun goes down, that's it. Like we have no other option here. Like right. you're not going to get to pick up your phone. It didn't charge all day. You're not going to get to turn on the radio. You're not, you are, what you're doing now is what you get. Cause it's about to be blacker than you've ever seen outside. I'll promise you that. <laughs> the closest light is hours away. And people are scared of that because they've never experienced that. And they, 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 a lot of these tourist places people go to, Oh, I've been to Thailand. No, you, you, you went to Thailand, but you went go to Thailand. You were inside the borders, but you didn't see the country. You seen the country that they want to show you because they know you're weak and you can't get up into that junk. That's what they yeah. do. They cater to you because you bring money here. But you didn't see Thailand. You seen a touristy spot with about you know a quarter of them with white people. Yes, there's some locals, but they're catering to you. That sign on the wall is in English for a reason, right? Like when the rules are in English because he's your dumb ass that breaks them all the time. Yeah. Not theirs. They don't right. put these things in their language because they know how to act. It's you. They understand that you're going to act like an idiot because you're American. Look, dude, we're big, we're loud. Like, we might not realize it, but when you go to another place and you see American across, I'm like, man, is that what I sound like? Is that what I look like? We're big, we're loud. Well, I'm doing it now. You throw your hand. Most of the world is not that Especially in Asia, they're they're quiet. They're they're well, they're smaller people. They just they have their ways. They don't bother nobody. It's it's it was awesome. But Americans don't want to go there and be uncomfortable and not be able to get whatever it is they have to have that they've convinced themselves they have to have. I'll promise you, you'll live without a Starbucks. I don't know half of America realizes that, but you can't survive without it. Yeah, but you need. I tell my brother, my brother this all the time. You need to go somewhere where you don't have any of that to realize what you do have. Just grew up. Yes. You need to go to Zambia and sleep in a grass hut under a mosquito net and hope you don't get malaria to realize that this, this, this mosquito net, this whole situation is because it's, it's due to something we don't even have to deal with every day. We don't have malaria. We don't have to worry about it. Mosquito bites you, slap it, you go on. Yeah. <laughs> you get bit by a mosquito in Zambia, that might be it for you. So we have to take precautions to do that. People, they don't even realize those kind of things exist. It's just not like they can't even come. And honestly, there's a lot of them. Yes, that could do it. But it's just not safe for a lot of people. They 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 wouldn't be able to survive. You know, yeah. someone like I'm going to go back to Zambia again because it's very, very remote. That was a tough, tough place to fish. But I work with people today that I'll promise you wouldn't have made a week there. They yeah. they physically would not have made it. And they don't need to go there because I, you, you don't need to go over there and hinder these people that are already struggling to survive. They're doing everything they can just to get the little bit of income you're bringing them, you're right, and take, to get a little bit of money off of a fishing trip. The last thing they need to worry about is you having a heat stroke because you don't go outside. You know, you don't need to be there. That's a really, I'm not really saying good go point. On vacation. I'm saying yeah, you need that... to match your capabilities and your physical to where you're going because you're going to be miserable if you're not. That's Some a people really... can't take cold. Hey, you know, ice fishing's not for you then. That's fine. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, know what you are. Understand where you're going. Freaking Google the weather, would you, lady? I mean, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It's hot in Thailand. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It is. And we all know that. What are you doing here? Right? Like, all... If you can't take it, why are you here? It's also disappointing because you know that the, 
you know, if you're only seeing one American every so often, every American you do see is like a representative of what the rest of that place must be like. So like you don't want somebody to show up and be weak and sloppy or rude or just like, uh, I don't know, man. It's like that's disappointing. But um, I want to dive into the Africa thing because I think like as far as like your stuff, it's like a lot of your Africa experiences are what really like see like were the most impactful for what I saw. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is crazy. Like, you know, it was like, it was like my landing spot. I think even your profile picture might be, maybe it's a tiger fish. It's I've looked at the tiger fish, you know, to the point of exhaustion. But um, at some point again, you know, you make a decision, say, I want to go here. Like what, what, what opportunity opened for you to even get to go do such a trip? Cause I think of some of that, I'm like the planning involved, like you gotta have, like, is there people there that are going to speak English? Is like, what is like, what, you know, you're going to love this story. We weren't supposed to be in Zambia. <laughs> oh, I didn't okay. research Zambia. I didn't, I, I knew where Zambia was. Obviously I've hunted in, in no far North South Africa on the border there, you know, in that area, but we were supposed to be in Mozambique mm. tiger fishing, but in a different part of the Zambezi down the, the lower part. And the reason for that was, is because and I try to do this anytime we fish or hunt. If if I'm going to pay $1,500 for a plane ticket, then when I get over there, I'm going to do everything I can on my plane ticket. So mm-hmm. we hunted for a week and I'm like, look, it's only, you know, a couple hundred more dollars to just go to Mozambique and catch tiger fish too. Yes, it makes for a longer vacation, but it didn't make sense in my brain to fly back home and then turn around and fly back if you wanted to fish later. So we, we, we've got to where we kind of started doing a lot of fishing, hunting, combo trip kind of deals, you know, because yeah. look, if you're hunting an animal, there has to be water there. Animals have to have water. Well, if you have water, you have fish, right? So let's yeah. go catch them. And most hunters, professional hunters or guides, they fish for fun. They don't hunt for fun. Hunting's their job. Yeah. So you, you, you talk to like, you ask the pH, like, Hey man, is there anywhere we can fish? Man, their eyes will light up. And, uh, there's, they just, they're like, you want to fish? You, you came all the way over here to fish. Yeah. No, I came over here to hunt, but I know that that there's fish here. I love fishing too. And it, you can get that guy involved in something he likes. The trip is so much better. Yeah. You know how many Americans he's got into a zebra? He's so tired of your accent and looking at zebras. He's like, you know, it's his job. <laughs> but if you say, hey, man, is there any barbell in that creek over there? And he's like, what? I'm like, let's go. Let's go get some bait, you know? And, and all of a sudden, you know, now the trip's changed. Well, this particular guy was that I was hunting with, he was in Mozambique the week before hunting crocodiles. So I'm like, hey, can we get back over there while we're here? He's like, absolutely. So, you know, we're going to leave from Johannesburg, and it's a, I don't know what it was, three or four hour flight to wherever we were going to in Mozambique. And we get a call the night before from our contact in Mozambique, and he says, uh, hey, there's no COVID test here, so you can't leave. I'm like, what do you mean I can't leave? And he goes, you have to have a COVID test to leave the country, and and you will allow you into the country because you'll be negative, right? But to leave the country, you have to have a test again, and we don't have any in this country. So you may be here for a week. You may be here for a month. They're all oh, gone. Geez. So I'm like, as much as I'd love to say, F it, let's go and hope we're there for a month. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I do have a little responsibility, right? So I'm like, I look at my guy, I'm like, I'm not flying out for a week. 
Like, what am I supposed to? Because he has a, he has hunters coming in. He had a whole family coming in. He didn't even have room for everybody, right? So I'm basically just stuck in South Africa with a week. I could go try to change my flight, I guess. But not really what I wanted to do. And I said, hey, let's just start calling. Like, you know people, I know people. So we get on the phones and we start looking. We find this guy in, in Zambia. He goes, I know this guy. He's uh, He uses the same booking agent I do. You should be good. Do you have a problem going to Zambia? I said, I don't have a problem. It's just that I always try to research where I'm going. I try to, you know, I try to know a little bit about the area. So that you, it's hard to even have a conversation with a guide when you don't even know what half of the animals and the trees are, right? Like, yeah, you know, I'm like this past two weeks ago, whenever we were in the Eastern Cape in South Africa, and I and I said, to, you know, to the PH, I'm like, hey, man, is that whatever the tree was? I don't remember. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, how'd you know that? And I'm like, because I want to know what I'm looking at. I want to know everything around me. And he's like, well, that's impressive because most guys just show up and, you know, point me at the animal like that's their deal. I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> dude, I want I want to be in this environment, you know. So reluctantly, but only because I didn't know what I was getting into, we go to Zambia. I don't know these people. I don't know the lodge. I don't know nothing. There's a huge chance, but hey, I ain't got nothing to do for a week. So I fly into Livingstone, Zambia, and... There's a dude there in a van and he had a had the shirt with the logo that I recognized. And I'm like, hey man, you taking American fishing this week? He said, Yeah, get in. Four hour drive in a truck, just down these just two track. I mean, keep your mouth closed because you'll chip your tooth. I mean, these yeah. these holes are it's bad. <laughs> and we get back there, and I was under the impression we were starting fishing the next day. We get there, and this guy's like, You ready? I'm like, Yeah. He goes, Well, let him take your bag, get in the boat. And I'm like, oh, I love this dude already. Like, we we ain't messing yeah. around. So we go get in the boat and we take off fishing. And there's a little language barrier. He, he spoke English. This guy did. Great guy. Look, he knows the river. This is what, what I've learned running around. Like, fishermen don't have to talk to each other. It's nice to be able to communicate, but we both know the goal. Fishing's fishing's fishing all over the world. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm I'm not... I mean, I have some some fishing ability, obviously, but I don't know tiger fish, but I know fishing in general. I know we're fishing for a predator. I know what to look for in the river. You know, they're not going to be in the in the one foot deep rapids. Right. Like, I understand that he he's a fisherman. He knows like you don't have to communicate a whole lot when you you both know what you're doing. And man, I was not prepared for what we were doing, which we get out into the Zambezi and there's no trolling motors on these boats. His boat was the nicest boat, but it's literally just a fiberglass hole. Like it was, and, and it's fine. But yeah. when you see the other option, that fiberglass hole looked like, you know, a $60,000 Ranger boat compared to what these other guys were fishing in. But free line in these giant live baits, 10 inch long bulldog fish would just jump straight onto a hook yeah. and just flipping them into these pools. Well, the bulldog fish goes this way. The boat wants to go this way, and then the tiger fish wants to go this way. And this was a style of fishing that, I mean, I've I, I never done that. I mean, that's kind of a weird, you know, with running water and all that. So there would be times that the bait ended up behind the boat, and, you know, it's under the boat. And through talking, communicating, like I said, he, did, he, he, he knew enough English to be a good guide. But you're not going to have a, a, a you know philosophical conversation with the guy. But that's not why you're there. But you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. he, he understood. And that first day, I think we lost like four fish, and I broke off two, which I ain't broke a fish off in 
since you learned to fish, right? I mean, if you, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not a real common occurrence for, for pretty experienced people. You understand your drag, your line, and what you're dealing with. And, dude, they just pop gone. And I, I'd caught tigers in the Limpopo River, but they were smaller, five-pounders, six-pounders. Not a whole lot of, you know, didn't have to worry too much about drag and all these kind of things. When we got here, I didn't really know what to expect. And, I mean, we're pulling out 18s and 20s. This is not common at all. Like a 20-pound tiger is a that's Pounds. Like the, okay. yeah. the pinnacle of, like, if you got a 20-pound tiger, then, you, hey, you are a, you're official great tiger fisherman, right? Yeah. I didn't know none of that. So the first few, two or three, four fish, it was chaos. Like, I'm like, what have I gotten into? Like, I don't, do I even know how to fish anymore? I mean, these things are just busting me off. Talking to my, and my wife with us, she, she ended up catching the lodge record, by the way, 24 and a half pounds. It's a 26 year old lodge record she broke. But anyway, Jeez. as we're talking back and forth, and just through experience of fishing in different places, he's having a really hard time communicating with her, but I'm picking up what he's, what he's telling us. And I'm telling her in, not a language she understands, but in a scenario she understands. I'd say, hey, remember when we were in Florida and remember when we were fishing for, for clown knife fish and we were under that certain bridge and we, and she's like, yeah. And then I said, do that, you know, do, do it this way. And then she, she starts figuring it out too. So by the next day, we're hammering tiger fish. I mean, this guy, the guy was even like, y'all never done this before. I said, no, but it, we fish a lot. We fish all yeah. over. So having just, those skills and though just a little bit of knowledge you know having some experience made that trip basically everything because it would have took someone else probably another day and a half or two days to figure out the feel of what you're doing a 10 inch live bait in a running river is not a common you you don't do that a lot there's not a whole lot of people got a feel for that Mm -hmm. but these guys do it's their only way they've ever fished though so this is their expertise so they have the knowledge to do it it's just very hard to teach someone that in a on a boat on the river while you're trying to fish and it did it worked out in fact we're going back next year to catch uh to fish for nimboy and and that what is the same body it's what nimboy. is that it's like a imagine a, a giant green tilapia just it, they're massive oh, tilapia man. shaped they, they're they're like almost bright green got yellow kind of fans you, you need to look them up dude. it's a wild fish but, i'm gonna do it right now how the hell do you even spell it uh but the, you catch those in the rainy season in the in the high water season so we we had went for the big tigers in the summertime which is when you have to go that's if you want to catch big big tigers and then that november december is the is the time but these fish here you, you need to go in the in their winter june something like that i see it i see this fish i had actually never even heard of these before wild looking yeah it looks like some yeah, kind of gnarly there. crazy like big mouth tilapia interesting yeah they're, they're they're crazy fish but you know i mean and this is one of the things like i was saying earlier like i didn't know i wanted to catch a nimway I, I knew what it was that was it i didn't realize that that was an uh, an option i said you know where we're at i i think i hooked one and lost it or something or it bit like one and the guy said nimway nimway and i was like here he goes, yeah, we, we catch Nimway in the, you know, in the, in the, in the rainy season. Yeah. And I said, I'll, I'll see you in the rainy season. Because, <laughs> let me, like I said, I mean, you're a fishing guy and you never, you didn't even know what this fish was. No. This, this is something that you would have never learned had you not been there. I didn't even know I ever wanted to catch a Nimway till I got to a place where they were. That, that's why I'm saying just go. There's so many things that, that 
like me, I, I don't have a lot of followers on Instagram. I don't post a lot on Instagram. But if you look through my phone, you know, you'd be like, my God, how, how do I not know that that was? I'm like, I just, I don't know. I, anytime I, I do that, I kind of, and even now talking to you, I just feel like I'm, like I'm bragging, like, oh, look at me. And that, that's not no, it no, at no. all. And I don't post things to say to, for people to go, oh, that's the greatest. I post things so that someone else would say, hey, man, where'd you get that? And is right. it available to me? Absolutely. I'll give you the name. I'll give it to you. I'll tell you the name of the lodge, the guy to call, and every contact when you want to go tiger fishing. Yeah. That's why I put it up there. It's not to say, look at me. It's so that, hey, David might want to go catch one, too. So here's some information if you need some more calls. Oh, yeah. Well, I, it's, I, man, it's it's so easy to snuff out, like, authenticity with, with that kind of stuff. You can tell when it's like, look at, you know, look at me type of thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's. I definitely never heard like it's usually like the regional or like local names or like, you know, a, a fish like that. I would have never known, but I could take one look at it. and know, OK, this is like in the cichlid family. This is a relative of the tilapia. We've got tilapia here and y'all got them in Texas. We have them in Florida. Yeah. Um, so it's like, oh, wow. So it's like there's enough of a parallel between what what I saw just then and like what I've seen here that it's like got my interest. But I go back to the tiger fish. You mentioned it like breaking your line off. I was like, obviously, when you talk about these tiger fish, I mean the the, the legendary key characteristic is is the teeth. I mean, maybe the most impressive set of jaws of any freshwater fish in the world is, is the tiger fish. I mean, that's it, like the thing they have. But I like I I look at a fish like that, and I look through all your photos, and I just I, you know, you think about like characteristics that some fish have. And you wonder, like, what is the functionality of that tool? Like, like what, like the teeth. So, like, I don't, I can't tell from looking at it. Are they grabbing? Are they like grabbing teeth, or are they like cutting, like cutting? No, teeth? they're 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 pretty conical. They have a point, but they're not like a piranha, like a razor kind of edge. They're they're more like a sharp alligator tooth, right? Like a, it's, it's yeah. more it's rounded. And from from what I've seen, where they, they'll eat. You know, their, their jaws double hinge, right? Like the top jaw opens and the yes. bottom, right? Yeah. So their mouth can get huge. And they will try to fit the absolute biggest thing they can in that mouth. And so having, after we fish for them with these big giant baits, because I mean, this dude's pulling out a 10, 10 inch long live bait. And I'm like, whoa, like the tiger fish I've caught in the past are five, six pounds. Like it's the thing would have to chew on this, right? But what happens is what they're doing I'm not saying this is what the teeth are for. I'm saying this is where I've seen them used is they take those big baits. They, they don't try to eat that bait. They come up there and they kill that bait or they cut that uh, bait in half. Yeah, like then they'll it. circle back around. Yeah. Then they'll circle back around and they'll pick it up. It, it, they can't eat that bait sideways or from the tail. They have to swallow it by the head. Yeah. Right? So they'll go up there, they'll wound it or they'll bite it in two and then they'll come back and they'll get the. Now, if you got a smaller bait and the reason I, that I know this is because I set the hook on a couple of them and I look at the guide and I was like, well, what's up? In my mind, the fish was too small for the bait that I had hmm. because all I seen was it bit, it bit it in half. And I was like, well, the, you know, our bait's too big, right? That, that's the that's the conclusion you would come to, right? After this happens three times, that's not the case. He goes, no, no, no. They can eat the bait. You got to wait till they come back and actually get the bait. They're they're killing it, and I'm setting the hook when they're killing. Oh, that's it, so interesting. Fish. And I'm getting mad. Like I'm like, how how the hell am I missing this fish? Like I fished before. This is stupid. And 
through the little communication and him giving me some hand signals and different things, I was like, ah, now I got it. I've done this before. I've done this with striper before, live bait striper. The striper couldn't eat a big gizzard shad and they would knock it up out of the water, then circle back and eat it from the front. My mistake was setting the hook. Same exact thing. That's what I mean. Like if you get a little experience here or there, look, fish or fish or fish, big, big fish, eat little fish. I don't care if it's brackish water, running water, the, in my aquarium, you can stick me anywhere on this planet and give me a minute and I'll figure it out. Cause big fish eat little fish, right? Like it doesn't matter. Saltwater, freshwater start there. And then after I start figuring out like what's going on, I was like, well, that take your bait out of the water and look at it. Don't just Mm -hmm. get mad because it was bit in half. Look at this bait and it'll tell you a lot. Look at the fish. The fish alone will tell you a lot about the way they're feeding that day, about where they've been. I mean, you catch a fish with mud on his belly. He ain't been at the top, right? Like, yeah. you know, you, 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 you figure these things out. So I get the bait and I'm looking at it and I'm, and I'll look at the end and I ask him a couple of questions and I realize that this is what they're doing. They're killing these fish or they're biting them and then they're circling back and picking it up. Once I figured that out, I relate that to my wife. Hey, get ready on that drag because when they come back the second time, there's no nibble. There's no, it's zero to 60 in no seconds. I mean, they are flying. Yeah. <laughs> but this is something that's very hard for a local guide to relate to an American. Most of their clients are all South African. So when he, when I, when I started talking, he kind of looked back, like that's not the accent I expected. But again, like to your point, they, Americans just aren't, they're, they're surely not traveling to that part of, of Zambia in the middle of nowhere. I mean, yeah. literally we, I mean, we got so far up the river at points that you didn't even see the grass huts no more. Like it was just as far in there as you could get. And that's where the biggest fish were and the biggest crocs and the biggest hippos. But still, that's part of that. That's why you go there. As far as the tiger fish themselves, like that hit is probably the hardest hit from, and I'm saying from zero. What I mean is there's no nibble. Like you don't, you don't think you have a bite. You either are holding your rod or your rod gets jerked from your hand. That's the yeah. two options. There's no <laughs> little pull, you know, like a channel cat. There's no, it's, it's, dead still to as fast as it can go just is this like a schooling they, species they, they, of fish or are they like solitary or are they moving in groups like i'm just fascinated in like small, small groups times a year they're huge schools so Ooh. when the, when the catfish the barbel the barbel spawn they they get in huge schools and then the tiger fish get in huge schools but they're, they're picking them off the big big fish like the, the fish we're catching there may be two or three in a group, but for the most part, the, these big ones I'm saying are solitary fish. The smaller fish need to school, though. I mean, they're living amongst, well, a million things that can eat them, crocs and everything else, you know. Yeah. So being a, a little six-inch long fish by yourself is a horrible idea, which is part of the reason this bait works so great. I mean, you launch this bait out in the middle of the river, and it goes like, no, this is, this is not safe at all. So right. it takes off, which <laughs> yeah. attracts the fish, and that's how it kind of works. But it. Yes, certain times of year they will get in schools, but I've only ever seen the smaller fish in schools. Like these 18, 16 to, to 20, 22 pounders, it, it usually you catch one out of a spot. You may catch one close, but not they're not in a school per se that yeah. I've seen. But like I said, at different times of the year they do different things. But these fish are, these big, big fish that we're catching on the big live baits, are, they're lazy. 
Like you don't get that big by chasing, chasing, chasing fish around, right? right. They kind of hang out. They'll kind of hang at the back of a like the down the uh, down the current way of some schooling fish, and they just pick off wounded stuff. You know, it, it drips by. Right? They're, they're smart. They know. They're you know like humans get this way, right? The more knowledge you have, the less physical you have to be. You use your brain. Work harder or work smarter, not harder, right? That's right. kind of the way these fish do. Like you're not going to get to be a 22 pound tiger fish with that big old gut if you're constantly fighting the flow of the river, chasing little baits around. They understand, like, hey, I'll let these kids go kill all these fish and wound them, and then as they come down, I'll just pick them off. You know, that's yeah. kind of the way. The, that's kind of how we fished them. Was was like if you could find a little point, kind of a sandbar or something that pinks the water down a little bit, you know, they're in there facing, you know, up that river because that's, that's kind of, that's the funnel of of fish and you could flip that thing up there. And it, and I may be reading too much into it, but at times I was like, I think this bait knows this too, because I would throw it in there and he would just go, just gone from that spot. Uh, Yeah. No, dude, I know what's going to happen down there, but you needed, it's hard to go to places like that remote and not have some sort of, of knowledge or some sort of experience. You could do it very easily. I'm saying fishing experience, not traveling, but it like, like the, the live bait thing and talking to the guide. That would have been very, very hard for someone who hasn't had a lot of experience fishing to figure out. And I only figured it out because I caught striper that way here in Texas before. So I kind of, you know, I probably figured it out a little faster than some guys did, but it, you're on your own a lot, even though you have a guide, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, like, yes, there's a guide on the boat, but as far as like the fishing part goes, he can only explain so much. And at some point you just have to go catch the fish, right? Like he can tell you all the ways to do it, but if you don't actually do it, you're not going to learn as much as just him telling. Right. So you need some sort of a skill to kind of get you going in the right direction and then it helps to have someone else with like like my wife being there helps a lot because I'm like, hey, remember that time? And she's like, yeah, do that. She don't need to know why. She just needs to understand if I do this, I'm catching a fish, right? And then yeah. we can explain this all later. But I, I wouldn't advise like for, for someone who just wants to just go straight into big adventures, careful. Like I, I wouldn't like take my first trip to Zambia. Right. Yeah. Take your first trip to Thailand. Take your take go to Thailand. You can go fish wild if you want, but you can also go fish in the lake. Look, catching a fish in the lake to some people, like, oh, I could never do that. You still have to catch a fish. You're still gonna learn how fish fight. You're still gonna learn how they feel. You're still gonna learn how they eat. Like all of that's the same, regardless of whether it's a wild Araprima in, in South America or whether it's one in a 20-acre lake in Thailand, you can still yeah. learn from that fish. Look, I would a lot rather go catch wild fish too, but I'm not going to pass up an opportunity to learn something or learn something about a fish because now let's say I, I didn't do that in Thailand and then I head down to South America and I lose a fish over something stupid that I could have learned had I just done it here. Does that make sense? Like yeah, yeah, you know, all of the knowledge you can from everywhere. It's similar to like the peacock bass here in Florida uh, or, or the clown knife fish, which, you know, it's like, well, they're, that's like saying, oh, I'm not going to, go catch the peacock bass in Florida because it, it's not South America. It's like, well, you know, some people don't have, I don't know, the finances to go there quite yet, but it's still an opportunity to to encounter the animal or the fish. Absolutely. But um, so I'm curious, though, like when you're there, I understand. I think the bigger part of some of these trips was hunting 
and like fishing was like a maybe a side quest or it may have been of equal importance to you but you know when you're hunting that that's all in the name of 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 food and sustenance and and you know it's like there's one way that that goes now fishing on the other hand this is the part that always fascinates me were you doing like catching and release fishing or catching i'm curious like what were they thinking when you're like hey i want to come all the way here from halfway across the world to catch this fish look at it and then put it back in the water like what what, what are they what, what is you their opinion what on thinking. that <laughs> you know exactly what they're thinking here's the, here's the deal it, it's very there's very few situations I've been in or I put myself in where I, I kind of have a moral, I don't know what I'm saying, like a tug of war, right? Like I pretty much am what I am. And I know that when I get to a spot, it, you know, whether it's a, a, a giraffe, an elephant or all those animals that we talked about, I know I was there. I understand the situation and every situation is different. Like, look, everything is not equal. You can't just lump everything into a pile. My situation with a draft was different than another guy's situation with a draft. I can't judge what he did, but on the Zambezi, I was, I mean, I, I was torn. I, mean, I, I really was every day you're driving up and down the river, you're passing a dozen guys in, in dugout canoes, pulling nets all day. And, and I've been there when they pulled up at the end of the day and they literally have 25 tilapia that are between six inches and 10 inches long Ooh. for their day. Yeah. Okay. That's what they're going to eat today. That's what the family eats today. That's what he did today. That's his job. Provide for his family. And he did that. It's awesome. My deal was I'm sitting on the river watching this guy pull his net for hours, catching six inch long fish. And I'm over here catching 10, 15, 20 pound fish that I know would feed that family for a week. Yeah. And I'm throwing it back. But my 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 the 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 qualm I had with it was if I if I give the fish to the guy to eat now my guy who's making money his resource is being depleted because his job and he's bringing money into the community is to catch trophy fish if I take all the trophy fish and feed them to the village which I want to do because I see they're struggling now I've I've cut this guy's job out in time right you see what I'm saying like yeah so, yeah. It really weighed on me like what I hated looking. I hated looking across the river onto the bank and see a guy fishing with a cane pole. And I watched him put, they called squeakers. There's little tiny catfish about this big. You take it out of the water and it goes, it's a squeaker. I watched him put squeakers in a basket for an hour. Not one of them was over eight inches long. I just throw back a 10 pound tiger fish and he's looking me right in my eye. Dude, I, I felt horrible. But at the same time, if I give it to him and I have to look at my guide and say, sorry, your next client doesn't have the option of catching a trophy fish because I just fed it to this guy. Yeah. So it, you see what I'm getting at? It's like, so here's what I did. This made me feel better. I did it. And I, I try not to be a selfish guy. I, I leave all my tackle, everything I take when I go places, I leave it. I, all oh, my fishing gear. Yeah, that's all cool. All that stays there. That's, like, that's part of the tip that I give to those guys because that's something that they would never buy with the tip money you gave. You you give them a tip, they need that money to survive. They're never going to, I've picked up equipment before and, you know, technically the guy's right. Hey man, you got a rod and reel? Yeah, no problem right here. And I'm like, it, I mean, technically it's a rod and reel, but are we going to catch a fish on this? No. You know, fishing line alone is, is just like from where we were, I said, Hey, on the way back to the airport, stop by a tackle shop and I'll get enough line to fill up all of your reels. He said, okay. 
I said, well, is it on the way? And he goes, no. He said, it's about three hours. And I'm like, man, that's, that's a long ways out of the way. And he goes, no, it's three hours in the boat. It's six hours in the truck. That's the fishing line. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is not to the to the big city where we can go out and have a nice dinner and, and, and have a date. This is to go get fishing line. We're three hours away. I leave everything because this is not something they have access to. Now, whether they use it or not, I don't know. But to me, at least if it's available, you know, maybe they can figure it out. Maybe they don't know how to operate a baitcaster, whatever, whatever it is. But it's better than what they have. And it's surely better than what they would buy because they need all the money they got just to live. That is uh, that is really really cool. I would never have thought about that, but it's like a, you know, it's almost like a, it's almost like a real time example of that old adage, like you know, give a guy a fish versus teach a guy to fish that's type exactly of thing. Exactly what it is. I'm like, that's really really neat. And even if they can't cast a bait caster, it's like, I mean, it how, out. how many yards of line are on that spool that can be stripped off the hooks and and all that stuff? That's or or it's like you can either give a guy on the side of the road a $20 bill or you can give him a job. You know, it's like that kind of, that kind of thing. That's really cool. I I like that idea, man. I would, I would. Here's the way I do it. Like we just got back two weeks ago from the Eastern Cape. We only fished a day or two there. We caught a few barbels in the, in the Kai river, right, right on the Indian ocean, kill a bunch of animals, had a big time. Everybody's happy. Now we're back. I started yesterday buying crankbaits. Because that's what they fish for Nimbway with. Mm-hmm. Big crankbaits. I go to Academy or, or whatever. Help Walmart, doesn't matter. But you're going to come across something on sale. It's not something, I may not use that here, but they'll use it somewhere I go. Yeah. And I start buying. So I go to Walmart or, or the, wherever you're at. Let's just say Walmart. You need three things from the grocery section. I swing through. I grab two crankbaits. My bill that was $12 is now $18. That's not that's not has any that has no bearing on my day or my finances. But at the end of a year, buying two crankbaits, three crankbaits a week, I'm going to have three tackle boxes full. Right. And at no point did I consciously go spend six hundred dollars on bait, even though I know it, that's what it is there. But but just doing that two or three dollars at a time for a crankbait, a, a, some hooks, some line. Then when I take it all over there, we fish with it for the week or the three three days, four days, and then I leave it all there. And then yeah. when I come back, I, I do it all over again. Right now, I've, I'm, I've only got three crankbaits right now that I'm taking to Zambia, but I have three crankbaits. Yeah. You know? Well, it's funny because you, you think of how often you piss away money on things that are, are, are one-time use anyway. Like you go to the gas station and you grab a, you know. It's funny because I'm probably the worst about this. <laughs> if I added up how many like little bags of potato chips and packs of gum and like oh, drink yeah. that I didn't need and I just wanted and like the end of the year, how much that could have gone towards something else. It's pretty shocking and pretty sad. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, that's- and, and there's there's no amount of money you can place on what it's worth to those people. You oh, know, my gosh. Yeah, I, I've got video. <laughs> of the guide when I handed him the box we were still in the boat we were about to head back and the, the last day there I said hey man because like I said I'd kind of been struggling with the like do we eat these fish I want to just throw them all back right like it's not a big deal but I also understand after having been there a week or so like the way these people are living right so I said to the guy I said hey we're going we're going meat fishing today and he he, he didn't understand and I said we're let's go catch catfish I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't really want to 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 give them all the tigers and they, and they, they'll catch the tigers in their nets, but I would rather them have the barbels, the catfish, and they don't care. 
Look, if they, there's no preference to them. They're not going to say, no, I don't want the tiger. Give me the barbell. They're going to say, yes, I'll take all of the meat. Yeah. So I said to the guy, I'm like, it ain't about me today, brother. I've been watching these guys. I mean, it's, it's like, I'm almost getting emotional at times going like thinking of the, the, this guy's day, you know, he wake up at five o'clock, he gets in his P row. He has to fight a freaking crocodile just to go fishing. Ugh. And then I'm throwing fish back and he's just looking at me like, Dude, I'm I've been here for eight hours. I've got four fish this long, and I and I'm just tossing. You know what I mean? So yeah. I said it ain't about me. I said we're going to hit every one of those little huts and villages that we've seen up and down this river, and it, and it, every one of them's going to get at least one fish. Mm. So what we went to the end, we caught a catfish immediately. I took it straight to the bank. I'd have yelled at them, "Hey, I got video. They're just running yeah. down, <laughs> and I'm holding up fish." And then we'd drift along and catch another one, and we'd see a hut, and I would take it to them. I don't know how much it meant to them, and maybe it was a selfish thing to think it made me feel better, but that's kind of how I justified it in my mind. Like, I think I can make everyone happy if I do it this way. Yeah. And my wife was like, it's a great idea because, look, the guy still gets paid. These people are getting fish, you know. And, and, and most importantly to me is I left on a good note. Like, I, I wasn't just the loudmouth white dude that threw all of our food back. Right. When I go back there next year, I'll promise you when I hit that river – there's going to be someone come out and go, Hey, I remember you. They've only probably ever seen two or three white people anyway. And if you're running along, giving them fish, they don't forget those things. Especially one that's, them. especially a guy that's six foot four with a big beard and long well, hair. Like, that, yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've scared some kids just being there. They just <laughs> yeah. run off into the hut. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, no, no, no. You'd be surprised. I say things jokingly, but. I mean, I've come, I've come in contact with several kids who've never seen a white guy at all, and some who have seen white guys, but not with a beard or hair, mm-hmm. and they want to touch it, or or is it? They'll say to their parents, "Is it like? Is it like ours? You know that kind of." And it's it's hilarious. I love yeah. it, dude. I yeah. love it because <laughs> I love it for the kids first because that's something they're going to remember. But for me, it tells me like you've gotten you've gone to some remote spot. If you go so far back in there, you scared a kid because you're the first white person he's ever seen that you you went a long ways back into wilderness. And that's where I want to be. I right. want to be back in there as far as I can get. So if I scared kids a little bit, sorry, kid. But that to me is like, no, I made it like this is where I need to be right here. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of, one of the things when I was reading through like some of your blogs, because it's like you could have very easily just write about the fishing and the hunting. And like leaving out some of the extra stuff, but like one thing that kind of like, you know, I don't know, it's like ah, I gotta write, I gotta ask about this. You describe this desire to be barefoot, and I watch the videos, I watch the YouTube videos and everything. Like you're walking around in the bush barefoot. Why is that? Like what? Where, what was the urge to be barefoot? I thought that was such an interesting thing. I'm like, okay, it's like. You know, I kind of get it, but like this is clearly it was like I could tell it was like a meaningful part of the trip that you like wanted to have happen to be barefoot out there. There's a one thing to me, just being around different people. I feel like the like the if I can those people can relate to me more if I'm doing more what they're doing. Those mm-hmm. people are running around barefooted and I show up and I'm I look like I just, you know, a Cabela store puked on my back and I got all the greatest stuff. Yeah. We can't relate. <laughs> right, yeah. Like I, like to them I'm a separate species. Like what is this guy even wearing? He he won't even get his feet dirty. Like I have to bait his hook. Mm. That you can do that. You can go that way, but that's you're not going to get the best. What I've learned is 
to get the best out of any guy or, or whoever you're with, they have to have, they have to be enjoying it too. Yeah. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? And the more they can relate to the, to your thought process, the more they can relate to you as a person, the more you're going to get out of those people. So if I got to take my shoes and my shirt off, and then we're just going to go stomping through that stuff and fight a python, which happened, then that's what we're going to do because yeah. that's what they do. And then the more I do what they do, the more they want to do for me. They're like, you know what? This guy's not an asshole like most Americans show up. This guy will go sleep in the grass hut. This guy will chop a pie yeah. head off with a machete yeah. and we'll eat it tonight. Like that to them, because most of the clients, most of the people that show up there, they're, they're so different in the, in the way their life is and, the, and what they do. They kind of look down a lot on, which is totally wrong, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of hunters, yeah. like I'll go with hunters and they, they like look down on the tracker. Like did that tracker knows more about what you're doing than you than you can even fathom. Oh yeah, yeah. Like what you're doing is is barely practice to this guy. I've I've seen trackers track a single animal over three days for eight and a half miles and find it. Ninety percent of the Americans that show up. I'm not trying to not be too negative here. I'm just trusting me. <laughs> yeah. That, that these people. The people that they're looking down on, it it blows my mind because I'm like, if you knew, if you had half of the hunting or fishing knowledge that this guy has, like your 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 places would swap. Mm -hmm. He would be looking down at you like that's not the way they think. But they're ninety percent of the people that show up, they have to cater to, they don't relate to. They're nice. I'm not saying that these people are rude. What yeah. I'm saying is they can't relate. So if I I'm running around and I I did it last time, I still do it. I like being barefooted, but to them that. It, they look over and they're like, hey, this guy ain't scared. Like this, this is this guy's different. He bakes his own hook. He knows his own spot that he, you know, hey, that looks like a good spot. He's barefooted like us. I'll sit down and eat with them. Like, right. Yeah. That's how you get more out of uh, enjoyment for you, but enjoyment for the people you're with. You're you're gonna have a really, really long week if as soon as you get in from whether it's your hunt or your fishing or whatever, and your guide takes off this way and you take off this way and you don't see him again until the next morning when you meet at the boat that's not going to be a good week. You may catch a few fish, but that's not going to be a good week because right. fishing is a fraction of what you're doing or hunting is a fraction of what you're doing. The 80% of, of the rest of it is what you need to be enjoying too. Cause it's going to make a, not a good trip. You need to be able to relate to people and Hey, I show up and they ain't got shoes on and they're swimming in that river. Count me in. Oh, yeah. that's <laughs> well, doing it look no one wants to die i don't care what size shape or color you are no one's looking to die right right so when i go into a village and they're all swimming i'm like well i'm swimming i, I mean i might stand out a little more underwater to a crop but you know what i'm saying yeah. like, these people aren't out here if they're in that much danger they wouldn't be there just yeah. be smart about it you know don't try to show people up but the barefooted barefoot in africa just sounds cooler to me anyway you got you know red sands under your feet right i'm standing in the track of an elephant and that's it. You know what I'm saying? Like I put my yeah. foot right in an elephant's track and take a picture. I saw the photo of that. I and thought that was so cool. That's just something that's not. It, it look would it have been any different with a shoe on? Hell, I don't know. But the fact of the matter was, the last thing that stood there was a wild elephant, and then me. And <laughs> you know, you, you just can't do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like even people that hunt elephants or hunt or conservation guys that track elephants and keep up. That's what they do every day. I get it. But even they aren't like stopping as we don't. Me and you don't. Yeah. Americans don't. Slow down and look around. We don't do that. But what I'm saying is just to know that the last thing that stood there was a big bull 
African elephant that could be right around the next tree and come out and kill you if it wanted to. And then for me to stand there barefooted and touch that, just you feel more connected. Like you feel like now I'm part of this. You know what I mean? Like you always want to be a part of the surroundings, not stand out. And to me, I just felt more like I'm, I'm in there. I'm doing what I, I should be doing. I'm, I'm, hanging out with natives instead of just saying, all right, guys, we'll see you in the morning. Yeah. That ain't what I want to do. Well, you also described, <laughs> I like loved reading this stuff. Cause like, man, this is like, this is so it like transcends so far beyond just fishing and hunting. And that's always what I like to see and read. But you described at one point, like, like walking and pacing, just, just like going for a walk at night in Africa. And you may have been barefoot during that too. And hearing like the sound of a warthog, being killed by a leopard mm-hmm. and i'm just like man i just like you know you can see this stuff on tv and like you can you can read about it in like national geographic but it's like i'm just like i try to put myself like in in position to like envision something like that like an experience like that and like how impactful that 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 could be at like this core guttural level but it's also like a scary thing it's weird. It's like you need to be scared every so often, but it just speaks to how raw and like how powerful that that place well, is. That you need <laughs> some, to be scared. Something but, is dying out there. Like exactly. But I'll tell you the way, and this is the way they think. Like the Africans think, the villagers there think. Like that night, the the word the, the first thing was the baboons. Baboons start screaming. They're they're you know raising all kinds of hell. I know this. I mean, there's a leopard hunting tonight. Like that baboons and leopards, mortal enemies, right? Everyone knows this. Well, mm-hmm. baboons are, you know, they throw rocks in there, raising all kinds of hell. Then I hear silence in the warthog. And I know exactly where this thing is. I mean, it's not far. But when I got back to the camp and I go into the tent, and one of the ladies says that everyone can this is <laughs> it's it's a, it was like a passing comment, but if you think about what she said, you realize just how much like their lives are different and how much you really are in danger at all times. She says, well, at least the, at least we can sleep good tonight because the leopard has already caught a warthog. Yeah. He's and I'm like, okay, yeah. But then as I thought about it, I'm like, what do you mean by it? And she goes, well, if the leopard ate tonight, he won't be hunting again. So meaning we're in a tent. If the leopard gets hungry enough or you step out to pee or whatever, you could be the warthog. But once he's eaten, they get more comfortable. Like we can sleep better tonight because the yeah. local leopard has had a meal. Like, do you understand the the like the worst thing that anyone around here has to worry about is not waking <laughs> up on time. These right. people have to worry about not waking up, period. Like mm-hmm. a leopard just grabbed you because he couldn't catch a warthog. So it was it was it was like the sound of that death to them was was a calming, hey, we'll get a good night's sleep. And it was just a weird reaction because I'm like, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it, it it totally makes sense. But you, me, most people you know never would have took that angle. You know, they never they'd have been, oh, I, like I'm I'm scared. It's wild to look at these these creatures. And well, they know that once that leopard ate, and and you know, probably not another leopard near. They know this. They know these animals. They're like, hey, his belly's full. Let's go to sleep. And it was just like it hit me like, I'm like, oh my god, I never that. You would never take that angle to that thought process unless you were there living that living in that tent or in that hut. Yeah. Just like you said, like, man, I can't believe like these it's it's raw and it's primal and it is. But to them, it's survival. 
Let him go eat a baboon or a warthog so I can sleep. Otherwise, they're constantly on guard. If you hear a leopard hunting and you didn't hear him catch something, they're like, ah, crap. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Could be us, right? Like, that's right. that's the way they think. And, and they should think that way. Yeah. I mean, you don't always get a good night. Like, one night you're trying to sleep in the tent and the elephant pulls the the water. We had, a like, a water barrel, you know, gravity feed water outside the tent. He just breaks the pipe off and gets him a drink. Well, <laughs> that's funny. Wow. Ha ha. No, it ain't. All the water in the whole village is gone. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a different it's awesome. I love it. I don't know how long I could stay. Like people say, why don't you just move there? I don't think I think like those people, I'm not saying they don't appreciate it, but I'm saying they take a lot for granted, like like we do where we're at. But I don't want to be. I don't want to live there because I want to appreciate it more. And I feel like that you don't appreciate your surroundings where you're home. Right. Right. I got alligator guard one hour from my house. You know how many people in this world would love to go, man, I can't believe you're not fishing for them every weekend. Yeah. Take that for granted. I've caught them. All right. Let's, let's go somewhere else. Right. This is the way they do. I want to appreciate it more. And, and the going every other year or, or whenever it is, you'll appreciate it a whole lot more. You notice more things. You're, you're really tuned in to every bird, every everything, because it's all new. And, and you, you want to refresh all those memories you had of last time you were in Asia or last time you were in Africa. And you, you pay attention more. I just feel like if it was a, something that you did constantly, you would miss a lot of, of the best parts, you know, to me. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's, it's all like great perspective stuff. And like sometimes when I think about these scenarios where we'll – you know, we might go over there to experience what, what, what they do. I also sometimes wonder like, well, what if like, how crazy it would be if like the, like the script was reversed and one of those guys had the opportunity to come to your home and, hunt the, and hunt the way you hunt and you almost like return the favor. Right. Um, and you described one thing that I got a real kick out of mentioning uh i think you let one of the guy you let one of the guys borrow a pair of polarized sunglasses and it's like <laughs> how how that like man like, he is so curious by that i'm like so it, interesting two two things happened there first of all i i've, I've caught several fish and like i said it, look it's running water i'm fishing for a catfish the rules are basically the same worldwide i mean you, you know what i'm saying like they're they're not in the middle of the river facing down they're, by, they're, they're in a log jam facing up. That's what catfish do in the whole wide world. So it's not that I know how to catch every fish in the whole wide world, but I'm not an idiot. I throw yeah. my bait upstream of a log jam and let it drift in there tight, and then I suck it down there, and I pull a catfish out of there. That's what you would do at any creek or any river. Well, I did this a couple of times, and these guys are like, oh, man, and I'm trying to they're, – they're hunters. They're trackers. They don't do a lot of fishing. And uh, and I'm explaining to them like kind of how this you know look, fish are facing this way, food's coming this way, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, and they're and they're buying into this, right? And, and I'm not lying to them; I'm just telling them they're they're learning. And there was some little school of bait fish, and I I didn't know what it was, and I kept seeing them shoot by, and I kept asking the guys like, what is that? He was actually our skinner, you know, he he skinned skin our animals, but he he's with us, he's driving and whatever. And I kept asking, I was like, do you know what those are? He said, I can't even see them. So I handed him my glass, and I realized then I'm like, oh, I got. I always wear, well, you've seen the picture. I wear polarized Ray-Bans, right? So I, yeah. put a, I, I took them off and I hand them to him when I realized he can't see because, you know, we don't have polarized glasses. So he puts them on 
and, and, and freaks out immediately. He's like, oh, oh, oh. And he goes, yeah. how? He kept saying, how, how? And I'm like, how, what? He goes, how, how does it work? I'm like, dude, I don't know how it works. Just can you see the fish now? And he's like, yeah, those are whatever fish. And then it, it clicked and you could see it. It was so funny because his face kind of went serious. And then he looked at me and he goes, so you can see all them fish you're catching. And I'm like, no, no. No. Yeah. So all yeah. of a sudden, he, I went from like this great fisherman to, well, this is cheating. You're just looking at him. I'm like, no, that's yeah. <laughs> so he has him to the next guy, oh, and the man. next guy, and the next guy. And I tell my wife, I was like, I, I don't even know if this is a thing, but I hope there's not like any like nose herpes or anything because I'm going to have them because 30 yeah. guys have put this pair of glasses on. <laughs> like, I have no idea where they went. They yeah. circled, made a circle, and come back in 30 minutes, you know. But <laughs> That's something you don't even think about. Like, I've never even seen one of them wear sunglasses. They know what they are, but obviously, they've never seen polarized glasses looking in the water. Yeah. So, this, when I gave him those, it was just like this. And it was a new world to him because he had never seen the guys lived 35 years in Africa right on that river and never even seen these fish underwater. He had no way of doing it. And now, all of a sudden, I give him these glasses and it's like a whole new river to him. He's, he's just walking up down the river, pointing at things, telling me what all this stuff is. And I was like, man, this is that. It, it was it's just cool again reminds you of, of the things you take for granted like yeah the last thing i ever would have thought that would have entertained a, a group of villagers for an hour would have been polarized sunglasses right right yeah. like <laughs> people are like oh you need to you need to take them a so a, a ball take them a soccer ball take them a frisbee take them some food or some ray-bans like no one's ever done that but man they, it was so awesome to see them be able to see something that they live right right amongst and never, never had been able to see it before. Yeah. Ne never been able to see those, you know, those fish that kind of schooled up under there. They never knew that that was a thing. It was it's just, just it's funny how you're sort of like trading experiences for things or like, you know, you mentioned giving people fish, giving people fishing rods, giving them fishing lures. And you're obviously getting some things out of that as well, whether it be experiences or some cool photos or, or whatever. But then, you know, I guess on this topic too, um before i kind of like i could sit here and talk all day about the africa thing but it's i like, got I all day <laughs> well, we've also it's like you know there's so much more beyond just that one but that one's like um there's just so much material there to talk about but um you sent me that photo today yesterday recently where it was like a pair of i guess you'd call them shoes flip-flops yeah, yeah. made yeah. out of tire treads i don't remember now this was given to you Per your request, or there was like right. a, a so, transaction made. Tell me about that. We were hunting zebra. I got me and zebras don't get along. I know people think it's you know because if they're drawn in a cartoon, they're tame, right? Well, that ain't the case. Trust me. The, yeah. You got people got to remember these things. These animals live amongst leopards, lions, and everything wants to kill them. Okay, you are the weakest predator that's really after them. You know, everything else is pretty serious. So anyway, we're tracking zebras three days, two days. I don't know. It was a long time. And, and we're, we get to this certain spot. We're walking up the side of this hill, and I see wheelbarrow, like tire tracks, on just a little bit of sand. I, I'd seen guys gathering firewood earlier in the week. So, I, all right, that explains that, right? I mean, they, they wheelbarrowed up here. They got some firewood. Then later, I've seen it again and again, and then I'm like, something's not right here. Like, they ain't pushing a wheelbarrow to here. And it's all the, you know, the straight line tracks of a, yeah, of a wheelbarrow, yeah. right? I'm like, something is, what is going on here? So, anyway... We get around a day or two later, and I, I they were skinning my uh, they were skinning giraffe, and they use every when I say everything I mean everything cut the stomach 
contents out, take all of the organs, put it inside the stomach, tie a knot, throw it over their shoulder, and off into the bush they go. Every piece. Uh-huh. Okay. When he cut this thing open, it, it like it's kind of nasty, but it, the, like the contents of the stomach kind of ran down. And I and I glanced down to you know to move out of the way, and I looked and realized that that was his shoe, his shoe print that I was seeing up there. I looked down at his sandals. They were made out of a tire. They were made out of a wheelbarrow tire. And that wheelbarrow track that I thought was people gathering firewood was him. He was tracking. And huh. so I, and I asked him about it and he almost got embarrassed, which I, I, that was not my intention in any way. But he more or less, they just took some scrap leather and a couple of nails and some rivets and, and, and cut a tire in the shape of his foot and, and made him a pair of shoes. And I asked him, well, what about the shoes I seen you in yesterday? He said, those are my driving shoes. These are these are my hunting shoes. So his hunting shoes, the ones that he needed, that he preferred to hunt in were a wheelbarrow tire and a scrap of leather. And it it was just the coolest thing ever to me. And I asked him, I said, do you want a new pair of shoes? And he said he loved them, but he just, he didn't have the means to get them. And I said, I'll make you a deal right now. I said, I'll, I'll buy you a new pair of shoes, but you got to give me those. And he, he said, no, you don't want these. And I said, no, I absolutely want those. Yeah. And he goes, it's, it's just an old, it's just an old wheelbarrow tire and some leather. And I said, I know. And it's the greatest pair of shoes and story I've ever seen. Dude, I'll buy you whatever shoes you want if you give me those. And, right. I, and I asked the PH later, I said, how long, his name is Betwell. I said, how long has Betwell had those shoes? And he's like, five, six years. I said, do you understand the amount of Africa these things have been on? Yeah. Like, do you understand the amount of animals, the miles, the scenarios he's been in, the just... It, now, obviously, those shoes can't tell a story, but to me, they, they, there's it, it, Africa's inside of there. I mean, yeah. it's so like they literally will take anything to make anything. And it, there's nothing wrong with them. Like if your kid were them to school, yeah, they'll get laughed out of the school. That's wrong. Like the rubber tire is going to outlast your Air Jordan spread, you know, times 10. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about practicality. It's not about look at me. And so I, what I ended up doing is I, this isn't all of them, but on occasions you'll run across a skinner or a tracker who, if he gets a little spare money, might get drunk, and not show up the next day. So, I, so I said to the, to one of the guys at the lodge, I said, I, I'm going to, I'll get, you know, buy your gas. I want you to drive Betwell to town and I want you to buy him any pair of shoes he wants. Cause I'm taking his shoes. And he's like, what are you talking about? So I tell him, they're like, you're an idiot. I'm like, no, I, call me an idiot if you want, but yeah. Show me one other person that has that. Right. Show me one other souvenir in this world that someone has that. Like, yeah. it's not me saying I have something you don't have. It's me saying I have an experience you don't have. You could have it. It's there for you, too. Like, it's not like I'm the only guy allowed in these places. But my point is, is when I show people that, I'm like, look, this is what I'm talking about. This yeah. is what I'm telling you. That that story happened the same day that I hunted a giraffe and I, and I ain't even telling the giraffe hunting story cause it ain't as cool. You know what I mean? Like this is why I go. I never yeah. in my life would have dreamed that I would be standing in Africa next to a guy skinning a giraffe in a wheelbarrow shoe. Like who the hell yeah. even come up with that? Oh, you know, that's awesome. not, it, it's just, there's so many little things that people don't even know. I mean, what's the saying? You don't know what you don't know. Right. Like, that's it's so foreign to most people and it, there's a lot of things still foreign to me but like things like that don't surprise me anymore i still love it but just just the just the fact the dude made it out of the it was a junk tire no it's not it's a new pair of shoes like your yeah. perspective on that item is 
asked a guy, he was uh, he was a skinner. I said, uh, Simone, what size shoe do you wear? Again, he, he got embarrassed. And I said, what's wrong? He didn't know what size shoe he wore, and he was embarrassed to tell me. I said, I, that's fine. I, I was going to, I had a pair of boots my wife had worn, and I, he's about the same size. I was going to give them to him. So I go ask the PH, and I said, hey, you know, what's about what size shoe does Simone wear? And he's like, I don't know. He goes, what do you got? And I'm like, well, I got a pair of boots here, but, I, you know, I want them to fit. And he goes, it doesn't matter. I said, it absolutely matters. And he goes, if they're too big, they're just going to wear them anyway. And if they're too little, they'll cut the toe out. And I said, yeah. well, isn't that just running this nice pair of boots? And he goes, would you rather have 90% of your foot covered or 0% of your foot covered? And I'm like, this, this is why y'all are better people than me. This is why you're a survivor and I'm not. Because that dude would cut the end of that boot out to cover most of his, his foot instead of walking around barefooted. That makes practical sense, right? That's what you should do. That's what I should do. But that's not the way we think. We don't, we're just like, oh, you ruined a pair of boots. This guy's like, hell, I just covered 90% of my foot. This is the greatest day ever. Yeah. Like, that's the difference in, in just the way we think, we as Americans. But you, you don't even know that you, and you need to know that. You need to know that because when you get back over here, you start thinking different. Like the way you, the way you operate, the way you live your daily life, what you think is important is not. And you realize that when you go spend time with these people. Like the, the guys in Zambia are, are everything that we pay to be. And by that, I mean, they eat healthy. They eat tilapia and whatever roots and berries they can pick. Go buy a salad. What do you, we pay $9 for what they're getting for free. They don't have to go to the gym. They're pulling nets all day. They stand up in a P-row, basically, you know, a dugout canoe, and they're pulling a net. You know the core strength it takes to stand up in that boat and then pull? Yeah. Every one of these guys look like an Under Armour commercial. They're, they're just six-pack, just cut, huge. It'll work out. That vitamin yeah. D they get all day, we're all deficient in. Like it, It's like the lifestyle they have is what we have gotten away from, and then we have to pay to get back. It makes no sense. You know, you know like eating healthy, they do that. Working out, they do that. Sunshine outside fresh air they do that but they do that because they have to we do that because we've taken away taken that away and now we have to go back and buy it now we have to go back and pay for the gym membership makes yeah. no sense those people are healthier and happier than most any american i know and they're just doing what they're supposed to do in nature and you think i guess how long like you know the the, the game and fish lasts from the time it's harvested to the time it's on the plate it's like it's like straight to consumption there's not all this crap in it it's right. not you know it's just nuts to think about and there's that. no there's no refrigeration so if it's preserved it's preserved in salt or air dried which mm -hmm. either way is still straight from the you know that's basically raw right yeah like we caught a I, now i did give one guy one tiger fish one time but i had to strike another deal because i had a, a, a spring hair i don't know if i told you this a spring hair is like a tiny little kangaroo and i caught one one night and, the, and whenever I, I picked it up, I turned around. This dude's got a knife. He's trying to stick it. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa hey, I, hey. I read this. You didn't have to tell me. I read this part. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm telling him. I'm like, well, you know, what are we doing here? And he's like, it's food. I'm like, we've got a lot of food. You know, I, I, I killed like a wildebeest the day before. I'm like, dude, we got enough meat. But they can't even comprehend why. Well, why would you turn meat loose? We're eating what's here right now. Like, they're yeah. not thinking about the wildebeest. They're thinking about this is food right here. And I said, look, here's the deal. I'll give you a tiger fish tomorrow if you'll let me turn this spring hair. And he wasn't happy about it, but he did it. And and I had to, I held up to my end of the deal and I gave him a tiger fish. 
Well, he takes the, takes that tiger fish and cuts the head off, opens it up, pulls the bones out where it's just open like a like a open sandwich, right? Like two pieces, but still connected and salted it and put a stick through it and then hung it in a tree like a wind chime. And it spun around up in that tree in the shade in the wind for a day and a half. And I was like, there's no way I'm eating that. Like that, that's yeah. just just because they eat it. They, they, I've learned this with food and water. They have immunities to things we don't have, right? Just like if they come over here, they're you know you know the old story. But I was like, I don't know if that's safe for me. But I ate it two days later, and it was outstanding. Yeah. But the salt put a crust on the thing where the flies and bugs can't get to it. The skin was still on it on the other side. Nothing could. Now it's not going to last for a week this way, but two days, little salt and and, and air, it was fine. And my wife's like, you you've lost your mind if you're going to eat that fish. And I'm like, look, they're eating it. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm eating it. I eat it. I take a bite. It's good. It's not just, hey, you can eat it. It's actually good. So I like, here, try a piece. And she's like, wow, that's uh, that's a different flavor and texture. I said, I know, but look at the way it's preserved. Look at the what they're doing. You know, if you leave your leftovers out overnight, your wife's probably dumping that the next morning. I, you know, we we ate a fish that had been in a, in a tree for two days. It's fine. There's no reason for us to throw away 90% of what we throw away is what I'm getting at. Like if you have any knowledge at all on how to preserve anything other than throw it in the fridge, that's what we do. We throw it in the fridge. Yeah. You know, we can leave it in there for a week. You know, no, it's no good now. And you throw it away. That's not the way they live. They live fresh the way you're supposed to. Like this is the way you're supposed to eat. I mean, you're not, you should only eat things that go bad, right? Like when you buy something with so much preservatives that you can leave it on the counter for a week and come back, and it's still good. That can't be good for you. No. <laughs> like, you know, it's they're right off the land. I don't know if you saw, I saw one a while back and it made like national news. There was like, I don't remember where they found it. It was like, they were doing like drywall work in a house and found like a McDonald's bag from like the seventies and opened it up and unwrapped this like burger. And it literally looked like it had just been, they just bought it. Like that's, that can't be, I mean, it went viral. This story is, it can't be good. It's shocking. But, um, we're coming up on two hours, which is not a bad thing. I love it. But unfortunately, this thing will stop recording at two hours. <laughs> but I want to kind of talk about one thing because I, I think of this as like I know at some point you return home like with a bunch of like like not necessarily you, you, you return home with like mental. I don't want to call it baggage, but like you you have things you bring back home. And I always wonder, it's like do you come back like happier like with a sense like a profound sense i guess of like appreciation for what you have or is is it the opposite where you it's so impactful like these kind of trips that you can't be happy where you're at i always wonder like is there a struggle there is it or maybe i'm thinking into it too much (laughs) i know exactly what you mean i got a buddy that he's went with me the last two years to africa and he just hunts so he'll do we'll do a, a four or five days of hunting and then he'll fly or he'll go where, and then I will go fishing. But it ruined his hunting on his ranch for him because he just didn't feel like his ranch lived up to like, there's so many more animals there. There's so much more variety. There's just, it's, and it's all new. That's part of it. For me, it's the opposite. I, like, I don't ever want to leave, but when I get home again, that's when I start realizing like how different and how, appreciative you need to be of what you just did because it, it i know this is a great country and all that but if you're like like me and you want adventure and you want a different 
you want to be in the wild and you want to meet these people, this isn't the best place to be. Like, like, there's some wild places here, but there's nothing like, you, you know, in South Africa even. And South oh, yeah. Africa is not even that wild. You get up into Zambia, Zimbabwe, Botswana, Mozambique. I mean, good God, you disappear there forever. But for me, as much as I don't like coming home, I don't mind being home because I'm like, first of all, well, I'm not a rich guy. I got to go to work. So the only way I'm going to get to go on my next adventure is to go do as much work as I can while I'm here. Two, it changes your perspective when it's fresh on your mind, just like the guy with the shoes or, or the, you know, the food we're talking about. That's fresh on your mind. And when I land and the first thing I do is hit the water burger and I'm like, I love it. I love sweet tea, but it's so different from where I just came from. And I, and I want to be able to appreciate what I have, but also what I can attain, what I can do. If I don't stay here and work and I don't make a plan, I don't have money and I start losing that desire to go other places, then I'm done. Like, just forget it. Like, why am I even going to work? What's the point? Right. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't like coming home, but I want to be home because that's the only thing that gets me to where financially and mentally where I'm ready to go again. I yeah. need to get to the next spot and I'll go sit in my deer stand. Well, it'll be a hog stand this weekend, but I put bait out. I'll go out there this weekend. I'll sit there Saturday evening and I'll, I'll probably kill a pig and we'll skin it and we'll eat it. And I've done it a million times and, and I love it. And I don't ever want to stop doing it. It doesn't for me take anything away from what i'm doing local for me right but like yeah. i said i got a buddy he's like i don't even want to go hunt whitetail no more i'm like yeah. well, <laughs> but he, he uh, he's a very end results guy like he's very like i just want to kill the kudu i just want to catch the biggest fish he misses a lot of things between it and that, that's not the way i am i want to i want to go on stocks I want to go on different you know i'm not looking for that end result to me there's not an end result like there's not a it's not like when 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 you kill the or catch whatever it is, it's over. Yeah. You can do this again. You know, you can go to another spot. You're acting like it's it's the end of like, well, I already did that. Not yeah. ever going you don't want to have a again. checklist mentality with this Dude, stuff. I'm not a checklist guy and a tape measure guy. I couldn't tell you what half the fish I caught mm -hmm. were weighed or how long they were, and I can't tell you how big any animal. In fact, the last pH I hunted with two weeks ago, I told him, put your tape measure up. I don't want to see it this week. I'm not, I, you know, I was serious, but I'm not saying I wasn't rude about it. I'm like, hey, man, throw your tape measure away. And he looks yeah, at me yeah. like, why are you here? Throw your tape measure out. I killed that uh, that world record blessed buck, which would be the air gun world record. He said, hey, I'm sorry, but I have to pull the tape measure out because that's the biggest one. I'm like, all right, that's fine. But he even knew, like, this whole week, we're not hunting inches. We're not here for this has to be bigger than my buddies. We're here for the hunt, not the end result. And that's just how I do everything. Right. No, that's, that's such a good perspective to have. And uh, I don't know, I, there needs to be more of that out there. And I know you mentioned you don't do like a lot of the social media stuff. It's probably a good thing. It's a good way to poison your mind. It's like, it's hard to know how much of that to like, like, like consume. It's because it's a good tool to like get a, draw a little bit of inspiration from like, it's, it's how I met you. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah, but it's like you see a lot of people who who I don't know, man. It's like they fall into it like it becomes this weird but to me trap. You have to too many people look at everything as a competition. It's yeah. not we're on the same team in my mind. If you need information from me, call me. 
Look, just yeah. because I tell you this is the spot to go, this is the guy to go to, and this is the river, doesn't mean that your result's going to be the same as mine. I'm going to point you in, in a direction that's going to be, you know, make you successful as you can be with your ability. There's guys that go, dude, I'm never going to try to catch a Mekong catfish. That's not fun. The fight's, you know, an hour. Like, okay, fine. They go catch something else. But if a guy wants to catch a Mekong catfish, Call me. I'll tell you who to call. I'll tell you where to go. And I'll tell you what to do. Like, yeah. It's not a competition. We're on the same team here. I'm here to help you. Yeah. You should help me. If I call you and say, hey, I want to catch a bowfin in Florida. I'm calling you. And I feel like you're going to go, here's the spot. Mm-hmm. Same way if you want to come kill a pig. It's not me saying I'm better than you. It's me saying I have information. If y'all would like it, contact me. Right. That's the way I see it. It is such a great tool for doing that. And it's like somewhere I think I feel like that's what it started as when it first kind of happened. It was like and I've said this in other episodes, it's like it it used to be called social networking sites. Then it turned into the, the term became social media sites. So it's like it changed. But it, it's a great tool for that kind of thing. Like I like to find people who I might be able to network with. And I have some of the best trips I've been on in the last couple of years like respond from a relationship that I tied on like Instagram. Like I just came back from doing a white sturgeon thing earlier this year from some guy who I met through another guy on Instagram. But it's saying, you know, you just, you got to like dig through the disingenuous stuff. I think you can get, you're right. You can get a feel for kind of people that if you're doing like a DIY kind of deal, you need information, but you also don't need bad information. So you can sort through it where like with a guide, the guy don't have a choice who he got as a client. The guy calls and, hey, you know, I'm booking this day. Okay, he shows up like this is, this is why I couldn't be a guy at all because I, I just can't deal with it. But yeah. with social media, you don't even know I'm researching you, right? You're, you, I've heard you say, like, I'm, I try not to be a stalker, but I'm stalking this guy. Well, that's, that's not that, – that's, that's you doing that's You're benefiting yourself and you're not harming anybody. Go ahead. That's why it's on there. It's 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 on social media and it's public for a reason. If they didn't want you yeah. to know it, then they wouldn't put it on there. I don't know, man. It's like it, I look at a photo and it's like you want to know that there's a human being on the other side of that. So it's a lot of times I'll I'll look into it. You know, I want to know, you know, <laughs> that's really why I've enjoyed this whole podcast thing. I had you know, it's it's funny. It's like I am probably the most antisocial. I want to say antisocial. Like went like left to my own devices. If I'm thrown into a crowd of people, I'm very reclusive. I, but I'm also like, at the, while I typically don't talk to a lot of people, I'm like very in tune with like watching, listening, learning, observing. Uh, but you can pick out like, the BSers, you know? Yeah. But this has all been a pretty fun way. Like, there, there's a lot of guys that I've had on so far or people that I was following for years before. I'm like, finally, we're like, learning each other as human beings not just you know at right. billy bob one two three and on i think when when you realize i'm not saying you personally i'm just saying people that what they've done is obtainable to you people mm-hmm. a lot of times look and they're like man i wish i could well, why can't you yeah why can't you go catch a nine foot sturgeon why why not like it's not it, these are people doing this this is not some special group of you know, elite, they're, they're dudes that go to work just like yes. I do, just like you do. This is obtainable. And when you meet a lot of these people, you realize they're just a country boy like me, but they just have a different thing to chase. I yep. got hard. My, my, you know, buddy, wherever, 
Montana, that, that's pheasants. Hey, come down, shoot a pig. I'll go shoot a pheasant. Like they're just people too, just like us. But everyone looks at it as like this competition. Like th- this is why I'm hesitant to post a lot of things. Not because I care about what other people think, just because I don't want to look like bragger guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a competition to me, but I feel like people take it as a competition. So if I put something, it's like I'm trying to scoreboard you. That's not what I'm doing it for. If you took it that way, sorry, but I got information. If you want it, call me up. That's that's why I do it. Yeah. I think people who are in that frame of mind may gauge it that way, but, you know, there's enough people. I feel like the, the so, more silent people on social media, like the ones that aren't super loud and projecting everything, can gauge that really well. But anyway, I want to talk about, like, you know, you've done some really cool trips. And you've got awesome perspectives on these things. And I know we're talking about like social media, this social media, that it's it. At the end of the day, it's a great tool to connect with people, ask questions. Again, a lot of these trips seem out of reach. It seems like something that. You know, it, it would cost you ten thousand dollars to go do, um, but people who would want to reach out to you if they have questions about alligator gar. I see you gotten into the buffalo thing Oh, the hunts that you do. If I was more of a hunter, I could have really turn this into that it's 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 crazy um and then obviously the trips but like people who would maybe be curious beyond this podcast to ask you about this stuff how like how would they find you like what is your instagram, instagram? Is chris m cook i think hey, everything pretty much chris cook except the cafes and campfires so, uh, there is a cafes and camp i hadn't done that near as much as i need to lately but there's still a lot of information on there if you don't even want to talk to me and it's just, just a really good there. read it's a great read i love the blog <laughs> well, i appreciate that but uh there's cafes and campfires facebook page too but then chris cooks my personal one and in any of those i'm i'm pretty i mean i respond to pretty much anybody unless you just come at me really sideways we're gonna be all right but yes. and i've had had those i mean look I call them Disney animals. Like I told you, you put a Disney animal up, you're going to get some hate. That's fine. I get it. But I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't get violent with those people. I'm not going to cuss and scream and yell at them. Like, like I said, if you, if you haven't had the experience, then don't tell me how to have my experience. Yep. Right. And I'm not looking down on someone who hasn't been there until they want to give me their opinion on something they've never even seen. Now we're going to have a problem, but no, if anybody wants any information, I mean, I, God's numbers, whatever it is, or just to suggest, I don't care. Dude, I love talking about it. I'm, like I said, I put it out there for other people because a lot of people feel like there's it's just not obtainable. It is. I told you, I, dude, I grew up in a, in a trailer house with a flat tire. I work 40 hours a week, just like you and everybody else. Mm-hmm. It, it's, just, it's, it's a mentality you need, and it's a way you need to live. If you have a $750 a, a month truck payment and you work a 40-hour job, you're probably not going to Africa to, on a safari. Sorry. Right. Like it's just those that math doesn't add up. I drive a, a 2008. It's been paid for. Well, cash money. I'm fine with that. You know, my cousin says, how, how did you afford Africa twice in one year? I said, how much is your truck payment? He said, 764. I said, times 12. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. And I said, that's how much I spent on Africa this year. That's the difference. It was nine 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 thousand six hundred dollars is what he said. I paid in in truck payments this year nine thousand six hundred dollars. I'm fishing in Africa twice. Mm. That's the difference. It's not that it's not obtainable. It's that people stuck at being broke and trying to impress their neighbor. I got good at being broke because I was born broke. But you don't. Yeah. Who cares what the guy next door thinks about your truck? 
go show him a picture of your tiger fish. That should impress him, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just the way I think about it. Well, man, I don't have, I don't have new stuff. I don't have shiny stuff. I don't, I, for the, for the, what I do, I really don't have that much equipment either. Cause like I said, a lot of the equipment I buy, I leave, but I'm not a gun guy. I got three or four, but I'm pretty good at using them. I'm, I have six carp rods that are de- dedicated carp rods, you know, full Euro setup. That's yep. fine, but I'll have it for the rest of my life. I got Gator Guard setups. I'm done. I bought that. It's over. Take care of your crap and you're fine. I don't, I'm not yep. saying abuse it, but I'm not saying baby it. Look, we go fishing for Gator Guard. It's going to get muddy. It's going to get nasty. You're going to have to hose them down when you get in. But they'll last for a long time now. Yeah. No, I have, just, I, I have my same setup for alligator gar for the last, ah, man, 12 years. I use the same rods and reels every year or every time I go, and I use them for a lot of different things. You just take care of it a little bit. But, man, yeah. it it, it kind of goes back to that whole thing about, like, what can you or can you not take to the grave with you? Um, You know, and, it's like, and, and I know we mentioned earlier that morbid thing about sitting back and reflecting on when time's well, we running out. We, but we can't take these memories to the grave with us either, but it makes – living until we die a lot easier yeah yep 100%. you know like i can't take my rod and reel but i also can't tell the story i just told you when i'm in the grave but in yep. the meantime fishing hunting and having those experiences makes getting to the grave a lot smoother ride yep thousand percent well man i hope i know you're not too big on the social media thing i for my own like uh selfish <laughs> you know selfishness i hope you keep sharing that stuff we need more authenticity out there more like genuine genuinely passionate outdoorsmen anglers hunters everything um you know putting that putting that more positive stuff out there uh and letting it shine through some of the stuff that's muddied the waters of that whole scene but uh chris man i i really appreciate your time this is probably been oh, I appreciate one of them. you yeah hey, when is... you get ready to to start uh doing some hunting i got a ranch for sure. It's funny away. you mentioned the pig one. The pig Pigs one. There the, right now. the pig one's been a man, that's been one that I've always wanted to do. I don't know why. I don't know why that one gets to me, but it's like anyway. Um I try to make a trip to Texas every other year or so. So definitely, definitely you'll yeah. be like you'll be a guy that I reach out to about that because that would be that'd be awesome. But I, anyway, I at man. this point. I like taking people better than than I do. I'll go sit and watch them a lot, but yeah, I'd rather I'd rather you be there shooting one and having your experience because I know what those experiences are like. You know, for a new guy, I know what it's like, and I'm like, that's is that's a, you'll have that the rest of your life. Your first everything, right? Like, yeah, it's awesome. But yeah, hit me well, up when you get down here for sure, and I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, dude. I'm glad that somebody rec- recommended you to me. Um, it's been a been an awesome, probably one of my most enjoyed conversations. I say this with a lot of the guys, but I'm dead serious. Like, I like the stuff that goes more than just like, how do you catch this fish? What kind of line are you using? What kind of hooks? Like, it's you know, man. For me, it's like I I want to know more. I gotta I gotta know more. Some people just don't want to have that con- conversation, or some people just can't have that conversation but man you're right. i don't know man i feel like we speak the same language in a lot of ways maybe with oh, a different <laughs> different accent different dialect but but i think i think our minds are geared a little bit the same uh even though our backgrounds are different things like that but anyway chris we'll uh we'll end it on that man i i appreciate you coming on here and uh we'll be we'll be talking
For sure. We'll do it again, man. Thank you. All right, dude. Take it easy. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Boundless Pursuit Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, your feedback, comments, and reviews are very important to me. Also, this podcast is just one element to a much bigger content outlet. I urge you to head over to www.haverodswilltravel.com where you'll find audio, visual, and written editorial content. That is three dimensions of awesome fishing content brought to you by a very dynamic team of anglers. I hope that you'll tune in next week as we continue to build this program and have interesting and skilled anglers each Thursday. Thank you for listening.